Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk. And if busting makes you feel good, you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. All right, can we just get on with this now, please? Filmbusters. All right, so uh, so I listened to your uh, your musical numbers patron episode okay oh, i was yeah. going to reply but then i found myself just frozen because i was like well i've never really ranked mine and i was trying to just come up with obscure titles and uh so that's why i haven't replied yet but i was very happy what, with your you, picks. can you give it to us live on air or i know yes can you go live well, no i haven't I'll, I'll tell you what though i just watched elf for the very first time a couple days ago Ooh. And uh, I was thinking of including, I don't know which position, but just for fun, uh, the when the Will Ferrell is singing uh, with uh, the Chanel Norway. taking a shower when they're in the bathroom. Oh yeah, she's taking oh, yeah. a shower, and he's he's and he, the so they have this like cold duet. outside. Yeah, but at first she doesn't realize that he's singing with her, and then eventually yeah. he he gets really loud and she freaks out. But it's it's actually it? pretty lovely. I liked it a lot. I, I mean, it is one of those things where I've heard so much about it that it was yeah. never going to live up to, you know, how much everybody else loves it. Like, it just happened with uh, Hocus Pocus and uh, The Sandlot. Like, those movies, everybody says, you have to watch them. We grew up watching them. And then I watch them. I'm like, that was cute, but it doesn't, you know, bowl me cute. over. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got you but too I, late. I, yeah. I, I liked it a lot. There were a lot of moments that I've already I was familiar with because they played them all the time, like when uh, Will Ferrell goes, Santa Oh and, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> I know every him. Christmas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so when it came I was like I knew that, but I, I laughed anyway and it's a cute movie, but I, I think that that if it's not in my top three musical numbers, it would definitely be in contention, and it would be just some of those. Uh, what do you well, call it? Because cool, you, you do like a musical, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I uh, watched um, Tick, Tick, Boom the other day, and I saw you've watched it as well. And mm-hmm. I mean, musicals aren't really my thing, but it's got a lot of hype, so I thought I'd give it a go and just see what's going on. And yeah, it was pretty decent. It was quite a good film, and I don't really know I, much I about it. Lot. But yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. If if you're a, if you're a fan of Rent. It, you see a lot of parallels because basically the story of what his life was before he made Rent. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of callbacks that if you've seen the 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 show, even the movie uh, Rent, you're like, oh, that's that ties it together. But if you haven't seen it, it doesn't really bother you because you just mm. they're like very very subtle. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, Andrew yeah. Garfield, who's really He's very good in brought it. I'm not sure I've ever seen an Andrew Garfield fa- uh, film that I, th- I thought was good. Not, not that I'm critical cool. of him. Yeah, well, exactly. Case in point. Ooh. Under Ooh. the Silver Lake. Ben's kind of no, okay Julia, today. That's not a good film. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give that any time of day. I just mean I don't. I think he's one of those actors that's a kind of. Uh, anyway, we're going off on wild. He didn't do anything for a while, off. though, did he? Well, I'm probably uh, heartbroken uh, after he wasn't Spider-Man anymore. Did he do? Um, did he do Hacksaw Ridge? Or or was that somebody else? He was Hacksaw Ridge. I haven't seen that either. Andrew Garfield go, is a poor man's. Uh, what's that other guy who's like him but not him? Who is Toby Maguire? No, not a Spider-Man. <laughs> Just Garfield a Spider-Man. Spider <laughs> There's who's who's this person I'm thinking of? Or maybe it is Andrew fucking Garfield. He's the poor man's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Now I, he is. I, I think my mind's just gone on a total brain freeze because I think I was actually thinking of the guy whose name has gone completely. Driver? What's his name? The guy's something driver. Adam Driver? Adam, Adam driver. driver. Yes, I've got them totally twisted and, and messed up. For some reason, I wouldn't say they're similar at all. No, they're not. They're not at all. That's what I mean. My brain's just twisted entirely. I, I mean, I they both had musicals out this year. That's why. Driver that's wasn't why. There's the connection. Yeah. And you were with us when we did our old one by <laughs> Karak. So that was the connection. My brain. Yeah. See, what you just heard, listeners, was my synapses <laughs> completely fucking up right then and combining this conversation with the previous installment and encounter with Julio from over a year ago and just delivering you absolute nonsense. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Ben and Paul has to do a very good job of editing our podcasts. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you guys probably would have realised by now, but we have Julio <laughs> from The Contrarians with us today. His patron pick today. Yes. It's all very exciting. How are you, Julio? Are you good? I'm great. I'm great. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. It's really chilly out there, warm in here. Otherwise, I'll yes, be wearing my Film Busters jumper. It's but, warm. Uh, no, it's warm in here. It's really cold out there. I was about uh, to say, it's about one degrees here in the UK. So Yeah. I don't know what that cold. equates to in, um, in your time, but... Yeah, in your well, yeah, in your, your, time, your time, yes, your <laughs> temperatures, wherever it is. Texas is very particular because we'll be really cold one day and then really hot the next day, and sometimes within the day it will change drastically. So really, there's no there's no telling. Oh, but, when it's cold, but then here, there's it's cold. the warmth just overall here because you know I have coffee, I have three film busters surrounding me instead <laughs> of two. We're bringing so. you that festive warmth right now, Julio. Feel our, our love, not our love, feel our, our heats radiating. And our love. Yeah. And our love, of course our love, yes. <laughs> it's very early in the morning for Julio. He's not prepared for three mad sets of man love coming his way this early in the day. <laughs> we're, we're gravitating towards the evening. The darkness is setting in. We're more in line with that right now. So today we're doing Age of Innocence, or The Age of Innocence. Innocent? No, the age not, it's just of age innocence. of innocence. It is not the age of innocence. I think it is just it age is of innocence. It is the in age of innocence. I swear it's, it's, it's age it's, of innocence. No, it's the. It's the. Is there's it? A the. Yeah, there's yeah. a the. Oh. These are the these are the important <laughs> particulars to iron out before we, we Yeah, we can't we can't rate a film if you don't know the name of it. There we go. It's like when we got lost in Oh, if you don't you don't know this, but our Home Alone episode, Paul got the name of it wrong, but I don't know if that's in there or not. The Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, escape from New York rather than lost in New York. <laughs> That's a fun movie, though, waiting to happen. <laughs> so this is a patron pick from Julio. How did we'll, we end we'll up on this to... one, Julio? Was it a list of films you gave us again, or did you pick it? Oh, right. I gave you a list. I was thinking of Adam, and I'm like, I need to go with stuff that's under two hours and then of course we end up doing the one that's over two hours I mean <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, this... I, don't, I don't mind it being a long film Julio it was last time you picked a film that was seven hours long 
It was well, not fair enough. Limelight. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Not limelight. But on that list of the films he gave us, there was a film. In I, there that was like, I did, it was oh, like five right. hours. I think I did not oh, realize. Okay. That. Sorry. Once you're going over four, it doesn't really make much of a difference. <laughs> you're sleeping anyway. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this has become oh. a TV series now. You're going to be watching in episodes. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, knows the dynamic of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I don't even remember. I just know that I had just ordered a bunch of uh, uh, criterions, so I knew some of those I could just fit them in. Uh, and then there were a couple other other choices. But like I said, I was looking for something uh, shorter and uh, and then also something different that we hadn't done before, that we hadn't talked about. Uh, so I think this fit. If if I'd mm. been thinking properly, I would have also tried to make it maybe make it a, a holiday themed, but that didn't even cross my mind. Was there snow in this film? There was snow in this film. In a weird way, every period film to me feels a bit like a Christmassy yeah. or winter. That's film. that's a fair comment, yeah. Because we're so used to things like Christmas Carol, the whole Scrooge yeah, story. Every, so yeah, you sort of fall kind of in line. Always kind of puts you in mind of that. Sits with me in that way. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Or, although I would certainly not consider this a Christmas film, I would never think. Oh yeah. Oh no, that, no, it's that. definitely not a Christmas film. But if it was a winter film, then maybe <laughs> you Gather wouldn't watch this film on a hot yeah. on a hot day in July, would you? I, I don't know. I think I would. I think this is a hot day in July type film. <laughs> You'd be outside in the. You would be wouldn't watching films. We'd be out in the sunning with a beer. Your timing was very apt, though, to put this to us because it, it was around about this time when um, I was thinking about, okay, what's my first pick for the new year going to be? And I was like, let me try and shake things up a little bit for us on the pod. What, what have we not really covered? What sort of, what genre, what, what sort of film have we not covered? And we never, we've never, we haven't covered a uh, romantic film, an outright romantic film. Romantic, if you want to call it that, we can discuss that later, but like a romantic drama or a romantic comedy. It's just not been an area that we've covered at any point. And then it just so happens that you put, brought that across our bow and that ended up being what we went with. So I'm very glad that we did it we, this side of the year because it's this is totally new ground for us, really. In, as far as genre goes, this is not something we've covered. We've tried to cover some outlandish, outrageous stuff, but we've never thought about just fucking stripping it back and covering one of the <laughs> most popular genres there's been since uh, genres were invented. What's well, also the kind of thing that I can't do over on our show because I I don't think that Alex is going to let me do a period piece again. He's not a fan of period for, pieces, is he? <laughs> yeah, no. I have to give him at least a year to yeah. get over the You destroyed double, him with the whole Little, little Women, women uh, run. Yeah. I don't think he can stand after that. Yeah, no. So so this was good because I don't know. You're right. I mean, I've never heard you discuss a period piece uh, and old-timey romance. No. At least not that I can think of. No, so, I don't think we. I don't think we've done a period piece. I, I, there's a, this is a few firsts. I don't think we've not. We've not done a Daniel Day Lewis before. That's for sure. I don't think. And again, and, and of course, the other obvious tie-in with you coming on is it continues the run of Winona films for you because I know <laughs> for those who don't know, I'm sure many do that you you guys went on your summer of Winona run last year, but you are also individually. I'm right in saying doing a uh, personal mission to 100% her filmography, right? That's right. She's my Robert De Niro. Like exactly. you're trying to, and I think I'm just <laughs> maybe a little bit ahead of you. But why? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> don't you have Don't you have an actor or actress, Adam, that you're just so fascinated by their work that you've decided I'm just gonna see everything they've done? Yeah, but I can't. It's something the weirdest way. I kind of get it with De Niro because he's so fascinating to watch. But I don't. I've never seen one older wider in that way. Uh, wider. <laughs> <laughs> that that just means you need to watch more Winona Ryder movies. 
she had especially during the 90s she has a run where like she was working with so many different directors mm, and making yeah. so many different movies i mean she always now pops up in a random but... amount of films like it's one of those actresses you look down and you look on your letterbox and you've seen a weirdly high percentage more than you thought you would have done because she's just in everything in that period of time yeah i mean i think it depends on which like, like if you were not watching that many movies in the 90s you missed a good chunk of her career mm. and then if you started like a lot of people just know her from stranger things now yeah. which is it's cool but it's also uh not uh, what she is it, right it does her a disservice because she can do so much more and she's done so much more so it's uh i i really there's i mean by now i've done all the heavy hitters so i'm probably like ben i'm just kind of like picking at the really weird things mm. that she's done and sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're atrocious but it's still now it's just a matter of pride i gotta get to the 100 percent. yeah exactly <laughs> hell be damned you've got to go all the way now right? i'm gonna beat you there julio i've decided this be my mission to beat you there <laughs> i want to see what i'm on well we'll find out we'll find out what you thought about her in this film once we once we get to that to that point i don't, I yes. don't know maybe maybe you, this is a bad one maybe this is a gem we're gonna find out later yes i've yeah. seen nine yeah. out of 66 films that she's been in that, that seems pathetic. very low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. Like, bang average. I don't know how many I've seen, but I, like my inaugural one, as it probably was for many who were born my in in my time, is uh, Edward Scissorhands. That was the one that I grew up on as a kid and saw ad nauseum. But I don't know. I don't know if you clocked it, Julio. Maybe you did. I think maybe you put a tweet out about it, but because. I know you like it so much. I, I uh, watch Reality Bites, and it's exactly what you were just what, what you were saying at the beginning uh, about watching films of a certain time. Because I can see how that could be great when you watched it at the time, but watching it twenty first century twenty twenty one, it just does not. And especially for an English Englishman, oh my god, it's it's a very American film. It's it's that uniquely American experience, the nineties American experience for sure. Um, so it, and it was just it hasn't i don't think it's aged well but then for someone who it who it meant a lot to once upon a time maybe it does maybe it does maybe it still resonates for me ooh, ooh. as a as a teenager in the 90s or i guess a young adult in the 90s it, it, that who didn't live in the in the US at the time it was uh, it was kind of like a window into what the US was at the time and it was just spellbinding okay mm. <laughs> but i can't yeah you know 20 years later or longer is uh i mean there are things that haven't aged well and there are things that obviously just you just won't care you know like the yeah. music there, there are things that just pump me up just as far as like is it linked later hey, everybody no it's uh ben stiller oh yeah of course it is. it's yeah. a yeah. second movie yeah and uh, i don't have the number but i've seen 66 percent of her movies wow bloody hell that is good all right hang well, on let's, for, let's do a quick check then, isn't it come on i've watched 13 13 yeah let's have a look here we know no, and that's not including um tv shows or is it julio do you does, no is it's it all not. encompassing okay i've seen uh, well i did log uh she she had a tv show a couple of years ago that was really good um the i think it's called the plot against america it was like a mini series and uh, mm. based on a book, it was it was really good, very uh, disturbing. I haven't heard of that. Fifteen is mine. I've got I've seen fifteen of her films. Um, anyway, Paul, move it along. <laughs> this is a patron pick from Julio. So 
just let's just go over our, our, our Patreon channel quickly. We've got a Patreon channel at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters where you can get exclusive content. Like, what can you get, Julia? What do you get on, on our Patreon channel? <laughs> we were just talking about how you guys made a, a list of your, per my request, you made a list of your favorite musical numbers and movies, which was everything I hoped to be. And, Wonderful. Uh, yeah, you Who also had your get, favorite uh, pick on there. Uh, all the ones that we picked, who picked one that you might agree with the most? Uh, even though it was pretty obvious, I geeked out when I heard Ben sing the praises of Sweeney Todd because most people don't seem to be fans of that movie, and I don't know why. I know like that movie too, Charles. It, 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 it's really good. It's, it's, a, it's so <laughs> underrated. It's wonderful. I love it. That was my first introduction to the musical. Uh, I thought they all did a great job in it. Very dark yeah. as well. It was uncompromising in its vision. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, uh, patrons also get to see a lot of uh, Filmbusters video, which I don't think you can get anywhere else, and that is that is always a lot of fun because I, I don't you know can if imagine that's a, if, a, if that's a perk or if that's a curse. Really, <laughs> that is a perk. I think that most listeners can probably, when they're listening to you guys, they can picture your faces and like the frustration mm. or the uh, I don't know Adam's like spaciness. And <laughs> you get to see it. It's it's a lot more exciting. You get to see how chill uh, uh, Adam is, just leaning back, his this microphone just hanging on the side, and uh, <laughs> whereas like Ben is always really intense, and then and then Paul's orchestrating everything. It's, oh yes, the composer. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, you can get all that stuff, and you can become a patron like the likes of Julio from the Contrarians. Yes, you can. You can also join Steve from Movie Row. <laughs> Yes, that's right. You can also join Katie and OT, who are from the For Your Reference podcast. Australia. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can join the likes of Sean Panda Nicholson. Yes, you can. And we also have Jamie Russell, who featured fairly recently now, I believe. Jamie, please. Yes, and you can also get <laughs> Nerd Revert, used to be of Texas, now of where? Albuquerque? Albuquerque. Either way, it's in... America. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You could have Fiona Stewart, the massive Joaquin Phoenix fan. Hello, cutie pie. That's right. <laughs> and you could also join Phil Barantini, who directed Boiling Point. I haven't got anything for him. And also, not forgetting our newest member of the family. Yes, We have can. the wonderful Luke Human. Yes, Luke, you can. amazing to have you, my friend. Good to Welcome have you. To this, this world that you've joined of us chatting shit at you. <laughs> exactly that. Adam chatting shit at you and the rest of us just trying to hold it together. Try and give you some... Are you trying to make you think like you're not chatting shit, but you're still chatting shit? Well, we are at the end of the day. That's what we're all doing as podcasters. We're all just indulging our own egos yeah. and just chatting about something that we enjoy. And it ends up sounding like shit to people who aren't interested and people who aren't interested think it's the... Dog's well, bollocks. Yes, the dog's bollocks, as they say, in uh, 1870 New York High Society. <laughs> I don't think that they did. I don't think they said that. I, I think they were copying a lot of uh, England sayings, but probably not that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, this film's the- also a U, isn't it? It's rated a U, so they definitely wouldn't be saying the, the dog's bollocks. Well, we have it as PG here. Ooh. That's interesting. A U in the UK essentially means no parental guidance necessary whatsoever. Feel free mm. to whack it, whack it on in front of your kids. And in fact, a U generally means suited it's made for kids for the most yeah. part mm. and i think i mean it's not it's not ra- that particularly you find racy, very but rarely that a film's a you normally a pg is 
Would you say like the kissing of the feet and the wrist and stuff is suitable for? for I mean, I suppose it is. It's just kissing. It's nothing. Yeah, I guess because they're all so fully clothed, they've all got about twenty layers of clothing on. They do. They <laughs> do have twenty layers. Yeah, maybe that's how it offsets. Anyway, we, let's transition talk. to the film talk the film. before we go this way. Yes. Do we, are we going to do um, the patron talk about the patron quiz? Oh yeah. Sorry. Go on. You, you, we talk, you do, do that. We talk about that at the end. Seeing as it's the next episode. Yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's set it up at the end. Yes, very good. But before okay, we go, then. Oh, no, hang on, hang on a minute. What? We're going to bring, move over to the film first. But yes, this is the first time that there's been five of us on the podcast, and uh, someone wants to say hello to to you, Julio. It's his his English isn't the best, so you have to you have to kind of respond in such a way that it might encourage a response that he might be able to articulate. If you see what I mean. <laughs> So let me just uh, let me just grab him. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Good. Me, hey, I'm a police officer. Oh, is this your day off? Just relaxing. I work alone. <laughs> oh well, I I don't. But oh my god, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> well, this is how awkward it is for us <laughs> going to talk to you about something very important the most important thing is money I, I don't necessarily disagree I think that money is very important I don't know if it's the most important thing what are you talking about <laughs> I think as illustrated by this movie sometimes love can be the most important thing where is she uh, I think she ended up moving to London, is that right? <laughs> At the end of the movie. Where do I come from? Austria. What's up, guys? Oh, I've lost it. I've lost the, I've <laughs> lost the, the train there. I felt very sad then. I felt like like Arnold had lost his like his memory and he was asking where do I come from where do I come from the funny thing is Ben it's always the same sound bites at the beginning I know because there's only one way he, he likes to introduce everything he always wishes someone a good morning regardless of the time of day <laughs> well and thanks Arnold tells you how you are I think yeah. I think I'm going to phase that out for the new year. Don't worry, that's not, he's not going to be around. <laughs> You're going to find a different much actor. Longer. Get a De Niro one in. It's one of those things that's funny, you know. Like the first first uh, film, oh, funny comedy. This is good. Then they do the sequel, and you go, that's oh, okay. But you're just playing. You're just doing the hits from the second film. The third one, the fourth one comes along. You're like, right, okay. But then we got I a special new actor in for this the, now. the last one, and we <laughs> tried to save it, but it's not really worked out to do. No, it's not worked out. It's not worked out. You're, let's, in, let's, you're uh, in Hangover Three territory by now. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, you've milked it. It's been milked um, for all it's worth. So sorry, Arnie. That may have been your last appearance on the Film Busters. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> right, should we move on to the main event? Yes, let's. yes. It's time for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Julio. We lost that now, man. <laughs> Silent organization which held this whole small world together was determined to put itself on record. Seeing the figure is difficult. It had never for a moment questioned the propriety of Madame Olenska's conduct. It had never questioned Archer's fidelity. And it had never heard of, suspected, or even conceived possible anything at all to the contrary. Ellen! From the seamless performance of this ritual, 
Archer knew that New York believed him to be Madame Olenska's lover. Discussing the Martha Washington Ball. Yes, we have it during Easter week to benefit the Blind Society. They do excellent work. Lawrence. Lawrence, I'm so sorry. And he understood for the first time that his wife shared the belief. Right, everyone, today we're doing The Age of Innocence from 1993 by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> this is a spoiler episode. We'll go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you haven't seen it, we'll spoil it for you terribly. So you might want to go see it and then come back or just get it spoiled. We don't mind. First of all, Adam. So this film is set in 1980, the 19, well, 1870s, isn't it? Not the 90s, that's confused me. <laughs> um, I'm just so used to saying the 90s, it's just how it all goes, isn't it? Um, anyway, it's the 1870s, it's set in um, the high class, the posh bastards of the world at that time. And it follows a lawyer who is in love with two different women. His fiance and his fiance's cousin, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yep. My man can't make up his mind, and it's all. I feel very sad for him that he's got these women that he just can't pick between, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's Poor just, me, I've got so many women, I don't know yes, which one to pick. I'm a lawyer, I've got so much money, I've got all of this stuff at me, and I've got all these women to choose from. Anyway, you're basically following them while he chooses which one he wants to bang. Oh, this <laughs> crassness of spiral to that. Oh boy! Well, that's what it's all about at the end of the day, isn't it? There was once he wanted to kiss her feet and her hair. Yes. Oh, whatever! <laughs> he wanted to, to sniff the her. handle of her parasol. Why he bangs her? Oh yes! Do you know? <laughs> he did. There was when we started out in our podcast the first year, and uh, I was telling everyone, Lord and Son, hey, we've got this podcast. My uncle, who uh, whose opinion I respect deeply, uh, <laughs> checked out an episode and. Uh, when I next saw him, he was like, yeah, I, I stopped. I got about two minutes in and uh, someone said that they, uh, one character wanted to bang another character. And then I just thought, yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lost us, and my Adam uncle, still, right he, out the gates. He's, and he's, still he's, talking fixing, he, he's basically thinking which woman he wants to take his hand is marriage. Yes. Okay. Very good. That, is well, that better? Yeah. You can replace all of that bullshit. No, that was, that was actually, you started off really well. Uh, then it went down the yeah, toilet. Anyway, that's the film. Okay. Well, I haven't got too much uh, trivia for you guys this time round because I think we can just pick it as as we as we go along, really, given the content of the film. But I this is our third Scorsese film that we've covered on the podcast. I think we've had the Irishman before. And Irishman Casino. Casino. So this is yeah, uh, so something quite different for us. So this was the first film that he directed after Cape Fear, and after this he would go on to do Casino. So this was sandwiched in between two very, very different films indeed, which is quite interesting. Mm. Uh, he partnered up with longtime editor Thelma Schoonmaker for it and cinematographer whose name escapes me at the time, but he had he it was a family affair in terms of the people that he always worked with. He brought them back for this, so everyone was very much used to the style. Uh, he co-wrote it with a guy called Jay Cox. Jay Cox also co-wrote Silence and Gangs of New York, uh, two other Scorsese films, but the screenplay was based on Edith Wharton's 19th century book by the same name, um, which I think she wrote before the turn of the century. So actually, us talking about it today, we are separated by an entire century. An entire century is in between the conception of the idea, the story, when this film was made, and then us talking about it. This is the moment she wrote this whole film for. 
Mm. There you go. Of course. <laughs> she was like, there's an American guy who's going to speak to some English guys about it on a podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, name checks, just uh, for all of you listeners, just some upfront name checks because we may dip in and out of talking about the actors or the names. Countess Ellen Alenska is played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Newland Archer played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Mrs. Mingott played by Miriam Margolis. God, I've listed Miriam Margolis above Winona. May Wellen played by Winona Ryder. Larry Lafertz played by Richard E. Grant and the other name you may hear us talking about is Julius Beaufort but that's played by an actor of no real significance sorry sir if you're listening (laughs) Jonathan Price there's no Jonathan Price on your list no there's not I'm a huge fan he's not in it for long though is he but they they market him around of course they would because he was a name but um, I want to talk about his character and a little confusion for me uh, once we get into it Anyway, that's my stuff. Okay. Yes. Well, Julio, as this is your pick, you get to decide what order you want us to do our first impressions in. Um, all right. So I figure we're going to go uh, from youngest to oldest. Oh, we're going to go through the, the cycle of life. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be Adam, Paul, Ben, and then I. Oh, wonderful. What you makes you think that I'm not... I'm younger than put Ben. We talked about this. Okay. Shall I just fire away? Yeah, go for it. I'm first of all going to state that period films aren't my um, favourite cup of tea. They're probably one of my least favourite genres possible. Um, I ha- normally have no interest in period films. But I bought this film because it had Daniel Day-Lewis in it and it had... An extremely good cast directed by Scorsese, and I thought, if anyone's going to win me over, it's going to be this. And um, it didn't win me over, I'm not going to lie. Um, I lost interest very quickly in this film. Um, I just didn't give a shit about anything that was happening, to be honest. I don't, I, I didn't relate, I didn't relate or engage with any of the characters in this film at all. I didn't care about their problems. I didn't, I couldn't, you couldn't try and jump on a tassel. And try and get yourself in them shoes. They're all such a. It was such a weird one. It's everyone's such a high class. They've all got this world around them that you can only describe it as like watching Succession. But at least they've got the human emotions that drop down. Whereas this, I don't think they showed that in some ways. It was kind of him just picking between it. So it lost me quite quickly. Um, however, being said, it's not a bad film. It's not. There is. it's very well acted it's very well shot it's very well put together all of those technical aspects are great but that's as far as the story goes and personal enjoyment that that level wasn't there for me the banging wasn't there yes (laughs) (laughs) make it an 18 yeah yeah needs more yeah it was a little bit yeah but i just i just couldn't i just couldn't jump on a character and go with them in this film I just didn't relate. Like you can't. I don't feel like I could relate to any of the characters in the film. And not that you always meant to, but I kind of did feel that you, in some ways, you should be able to pick up on it. But yeah, fair dues. There we go. I'm, I'm excited to see how how it's going to evolve over our different ages. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> if or yeah. devolve, perhaps. It might or devolve, uh-huh. maybe. Yeah. For starters. I couldn't give one fuck about any person this film. <laughs> <laughs> I was incredibly bored and frustrated by like the repugnant luxury of it yeah. all. And ev- everyone was like a pompous fuck. 
<laughs> even when it comes to like the mindset of our protagonist, Newland, Danny Day Lewis, where he doesn't want to like conform to the traditional values of everyone else and like striving for something better than the upper class motherfuckers. Just shut the fuck up, mate. You're still a posh twat <laughs> who's cheating on your wife because, because like, you want you want to you want to sleep with you you want to sleep with your wife, but also you want to go with someone. You want to have a baby with this wife, but you also want to go off with the countess. You want your cake and you, and eat it as well. I really don't like this this uh, sort of aristocratic period of history. I hate everyone. I cannot sympathise <laughs> with them, and I don't care about them. This film's just not for me, but it is a Scorsese film, and it's shot very beautifully, and it has some interesting choice of like flair and transitions in the editing, and the acting, of course, is very good. And that is all I have to say about my first impressions. Thank you, Paul. I'm glad I'm not being alone in this battle. <laughs> so my opening comments, Adam, you were taking the words out of my mouth in terms of these sorts of films are not the films that I would normally go for. For sure, period films are not really yeah. my bag. Um, and um, just to just to put this out there, now, I'm when I'm talking about this film here now, I'm really going to try, and my feelings about it, I'm going to try and disassociate from the fact that it's a Scorsese film because I want, when it ended, I was like, now, imagine I didn't know Scorsese directed this. How would I feel about this film? And the way I feel about the, the, the film is this. I said it before, good storytelling is when you can show me or drop me into a world that I know little or nothing about that is as far removed from, from my own life as possible and make me care for the characters, identify with some of them, find some humanity or some depth of emotion with the characters. There's three main characters in this film and I felt real attachment and depth for every single one of them despite the fact that they are on three completely different <laughs> paths i appreciated like the broad like paint strokes of how like daniel day lewis is going in this direction when Ryan is going in this direction michelle fife is coming coming down here through the middle i appreciated every single one of them and their headspace and the fact that all of them were imprisoned by their way of life everyone is caught in the system in this film Yes, they are part of high society. And that is the big ask. We're going to drop you into New York high society, 1870. We haven't got a clue what life it, uh, would be like. We can't experience that. We've seen it. We just see opulence. We see wealth. But Adam, you said it's succession. Reminds you of succession. And you relate, not relate, but you care about those characters. You care what happens to them, despite the fact that they operate in a completely removed world from us. But these one, these people are humans. These are just human beings who are being oppressed by a system that they are born into. So... I felt, even though the lifestyles they were living were so far removed from, from anything that I, I can imagine, they were all born into it, into that time. Daniel Day-Lewis wanted to escape from it, but he was he could feel, like they say in the film, he can feel the weight of the future bearing down on him now, which is almost going to prevent him from doing it. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, she did rebel against it, and look what the rest of society did to her. It's that focus on that individual, her individual story, not the society around that doesn't care, that puts on surface and facade to, to uh, hide their true feelings. And Winona Ryder, who ultimately is a, a very sweet, innocent, naive young woman who is caught up in all the trappings of that society, but at the same time, towards the end of the film, 
shows that she has great wisdom, great foresight, and actually understands the situation better than any of us as audience members probably gave her credit for, but ultimately knew that she was still going to have to remain trapped within that system. I enjoyed following all of their storylines. I loved forget that Scorsese was behind the camera. I love like the the flair and the style of of the of the uh, design of everything Co- from costume to set design. That was the most impressive stuff for me. The acting was great, obviously as well. But the way that he told the story was was very moving, and I connected with all of the characters, the three main characters. I appreciated their different paths. So for me, it really worked as a character study of. Uh, human emotion I think someone understood the film and me and Paul missed the point no no not at all that's just that's just my take I got the point that's, I got the that's point. just my that's take yeah. you stay in your boat oh man now now, now there's clashing now, now we got drama <laughs> in this episode uh, alright cool because I I'm the only one here that has seen it more than once unless one of you guys have I, I can't imagine no, Adam with Paul watching it twice <laughs> nope it was a once once uh, watch for me um, I watched it. I, I I wanted to do it in order of age, just kind of like to see how it played out. Kind of like what Pombin said, like across the ages. And it's not because I necessarily think I, I actually hate that position. I, I certainly hated it when I was younger. Whenever somebody that was older would look at me and tell me, "Oh, you're gonna get it later. You know, don't worry." And I'll be like, "No, I don't. I get it now, and mm. that is enough." You know, and I think it's true. Like I, I think that how you perceive art, at, let's say in your twenties, is as valid as how you perceive it in the six in your sixties or eighties or whatever. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to change your mind as you're older. You know, and both positions can be valid. Uh, you can certainly do without the condescension of old age. So you know, I don't want it to sound like I'm like, oh, Adam, I have. A few years on you, so I know what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm right and you're wrong because that's not the case. I think that how you feel, in fact, how you feel is how I felt the first time I watched this movie, and I was actually younger than you because when it, I didn't even finish it when it, uh, it was nominated for the Oscars. It had like, I don't think it won anything, but it was, like, it Nona was nominated. Yeah, costume, costume design. There you go. Like, but that is really, I know the score. That's not like a, yeah, you don't watch a film because it won costume design at the Oscars, do you? But but it was like across the nominations because I remember it kept coming up and it was it was kind of like a big movie so so it made it all the way to Peru and I remember trying to watch it and I just couldn't finish it because it was just like this is boring you know it's just a bunch of rich white people that don't really do anything they're just kind of like Ben said they're trapped and that so what they can actually do is very limited uh, I watched it again probably uh, a few years later when I was out of film school because it was a Scorsese movie. And uh, and by then I liked Winona Ryder, so uh, I watched it, watched it all the way at the end. I was like, I don't get it. This is not like a, this is not a Scorsese movie. I felt cheated, and I couldn't care less for the characters. I I had no sympathy for uh, the story of a guy that basically cheats on his wife with you know somebody that was had also cheated on her husband. Um, so I was probably in my early 20s then. Uh, I watched it again when I moved to the States. And I was like, I'm I'm an older person now. I'm going to give it a shot. I bought it on DVD, sat through it. And I'm like, I can appreciate the way it was made, but I still don't get it. Like, it's it's not for me. I Again, no sympathy for any of the characters. No, uh, I wasn't getting anything out of the movie. And then I sat down to watch it. 
this morning wondering if it was going to be a repeat of it where I was just going to appreciate the production and appreciate the the performances, but also walk away from it kind of cold. And I was not expecting it because I really didn't know. Uh, but no, I had experience very similar to Ben's where I found myself full of compassion for the three people involved in this drama. And I can only explain it as being caused by age. Just the fact that I'm older now and maybe I've had enough interactions with people that were in similar situations or people, or I've been in situations that maybe had echoes of that those dynamics. And so when I see somebody uh, that finds himself a victim of circumstances despite originally having good intentions like the uh, like Archer the uh, Daniel Day-Lewis character right he starts wanting to do good finds himself realizing that he doesn't really love the woman that he thinks he loves worse even he he finds a kindred spirit in a woman that's rejected from society and yeah the specifics don't apply to our time now or at least not very much but the the basic idea of a man being torn between what he thought he wanted and what he really wants and what is good, like proper in society and what isn't, what is looked down on. I found that just captivating. And the the drama of Michelle Pfeiffer's character who comes home expecting it to be home and instead she finds that she's a pariah because she just committed an unspoken sin she she left her cheating husband in a society where she was not supposed to do that and now Mm. she has no friends except one guy that falls for her and therefore that friendship that relation is tainted now it's uh that was she was the one i felt the most for and then we know a writer who i remember every time i watched the movie before i couldn't really get a read on her i couldn't tell if she was pretending to be innocent and in the end she'd be manipulating everything or if she was innocent but slowly caught on to what was happening and ended up making a choice and i still don't know 100 sure that i know how, I, I would love to I'm, I'm gonna really enjoy discussing that part of the movie with you guys but uh but her character ends up being so complex like at first i, was, I don't get why she was nominated for best supporting actress for this mm. part because she doesn't really get to do much but really she's doing a lot just with with very little uh, on the outside, so uh, yeah, I'm 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 with Ben here. I was just captivated with by everything that was happening, and there's always a moment now, especially where I can with this type of stories, where I can just step back and go like, all right, but really, there were bigger things going in the world, and there are bigger things going in the world that what happens to these rich people that oh my god, I can't pick between two gorgeous women that love me and that kind of stuff. But but it, there's also a humanity there that, that I. I can't deny, and so I can look past the trappings of uh, the rich environment, the, the wealthy environment, and just focus on on the drama. And I also think that this I never caught until this time that it's a very uh, incisive examination of uh, that that American upper class of that time, and you can probably even translate it to modern day, you know, and just the the, the commentary of how they were trying to be independent, but at the same time couldn't help emulating uh, 
you know the british culture that they were well you know because mm. they they emancipated from <laughs> from england but yeah. then they were striving to be like england and uh there's a character that says it and i was like oh that's right and then just the you know that voiceover that kind of breaks down how uh everything is is uh arranged and how how, how fake everything is i mean that is uh it's not just a movie about rich people. It's a movie that criticizes the way the rich people live mm. and the rules that they live by. So, yeah, I big fan, which was... I didn't know how it was going to pan out, so I'm happy that I was able to enjoy it. And like I said, because I need it needs to be reiterated, it doesn't mean that I am right and you guys are wrong just because I can say, well, I'm old now and, and I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I get So when you, when you suggested us to watch this film, you didn't actually technically like the film. You no, didn't like it? I, yeah. I just like I said, I saw it was a it's a new Criterion release, so I'm like, okay, it seems like a good excuse to give it another shot now. Watch it with all the you're Criterion a brave man stuff. Buying it on a Criterion, to, when you're not sure if you like the film or not. Well, it was one of the things that I used to own it. Like I said, I bought the DVD when I moved to the states, and I I let a friend borrow it and uh, never got it back. And it's just like in the back of my head, I'm like, I need it back in my collection just because it used to be there. So. That's a massive okay. compliment for the film. They did, they weren't willing to give you that film back. They enjoyed it so much. They were going to keep that copy, right? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm guessing that's the case. <laughs> so you see, my my biggest problem with this film is I had no character to latch onto that yeah. I actually could go along with and appreciate their decisions because Daniel Day Lewis to me was just someone who couldn't commit to a decision that he wanted to make. So. He, he he didn't want to leave his lavish lifestyle. He could have he could have broken away and did exactly what he wanted to do, but he never wanted to. And to me, that just means you're committed to the wealth, as yeah. well as trying to you want all of it. But and and have a have a relationship in secret while still have the wife at the same time. He, he never committed. And then the pretension of him, let me stand at the tree, wait for. Oh, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna go to her if she turns around right now. So like, make commit to this. You 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 really like this <laughs> yeah, woman. Yeah. Oh, wait. Commit. To it. How how many of us have not been in that situation in the past uh-huh. though? In any situation where it's like, all right, I'm going to wait five minutes, and if something doesn't happen in five minutes, then I won't do it. It's just that in that moment, it's that humanity. It's a big move for him to go right over to her and approach her. So it's like I need some sort of signal, some sort of sense, some sign that she wants me to approach. Yeah, but- that's what I talk. The uh, just to to come to the the point. Let's talk. Okay, Julio, if you agree, we we mentioned this. Uh, before we spoke, we thought, right, let's not go through the film chronologically. Let's just talk mm-hmm. in the round about these sort of things. But let's try, we'll try and keep it contained so we don't go too sprawling. But like, let's talk about the, the his character first, right? Let, let's talk about his character. But you said the thing about, and you've said this before, I know how you feel very strongly about when people cheat in films, it kind of, that's it for you mm-hmm. for, for, the, often, for the most part. So <clears throat> when it ended anyway, I said to Jenny, I'm not sure they were really they weren't cheating really as far as i was concerned they didn't consummate a relationship it depends and she was like oh well, cheating, exactly and she was like well they were kissing they, they he was carrying on with her behind his, his wife's back so yes fair, fair enough but if it had been the other way around if he was uh wed to an older woman because i surely michelle pfeiffer is an older woman in this situation i'm hope i'm not like yeah calling her age out on term but i would have said Winona was like low 20s and she was so, probably like older 20s right so in in a typical okay the man's just whoring himself around it would be the man looking for someone younger someone freer uh someone more uh, attractive right but what he goes for is a 
well, an almost divorcee who's much, much older, who's being shunned by the whole community, who who doesn't come with wealth and all the trappings of society. It actually offers escape for him. And what he sees in her is what he what he's wanted for himself in all that time. So him yeah, you being with her... Yeah, so he was I, in love with her for the right reasons, he, almost rather than the wrong reasons. Exactly. If if anything, he was engaged to an owner rider for the wrong reasons. And yes, you can, of course, you can say, well, he should he should have just called off the engagement. He, the minute he got these feelings, he caught feelings for uh, Ellen. He should have just called off the engagement. But we know because of the stigma of the time that we're seeing in the film, there was no way he could he could have done that. Not without some sort of plan developed plan it would have brought shame to families and whatnot and he was still trying to work out his own feelings throughout the film but the one the last thing that i just want to say about him is one thing that i particularly connected with him on is this thing of oh well just do it you don't like just commit just commit and do it i've i would say quite a fair bit in my life whenever i've wanted to change things up a little bit i've always done it in the company of another person i've wanted to go go one route with someone else so like when key different when key stages of my life have come up i've been like okay I'm, i want to go this route now but i'm going with you and i'm not talking about relationships necessarily i'm talking about people friends there's certain friends where i'm like i'm going this route and i'm go i'm going with you now i'm i need a like-minded person i haven't i would say in my life as, as an adult really been someone as an individual to go i'm don't like this i'm gonna do this now and i'm just playing my own way and going off that going off that it way off my own on the other side. yeah i've kind of I've, I've when i've changed things up it's always been because i found kindred spirits and i've gone with them so i actually think for me personally i i related to what he was going through because i thought he sees it he sees escape in another person if she had to if she had turned around he that he would have gotten out if she had maybe come to see him if she'd used that key and come to see him maybe he would have gotten out but I think she could tell that he wasn't fully committed. Basically, that was the reasoning. Yeah. Oh no, I disagree with that. Mm. I I think that she she calls it off because she respects Winona Ryder enough. Like if when the reason that she doesn't go, that she calls it off is because Winona Ryder tells her that she's pregnant. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a line it. that she's not going to cross. That's it. I, I she's, okay, that she, she's okay of him kissing up her hands and feet though. Well, yeah, you know, you, you reach your limit. You know, I, I think that she's okay. I, I think that she's okay with splitting up a marriage. She's not okay with leaving a child fatherless because yeah. the the thing that you can't discount is just the way that these people have been brought up, and it, it, that's why the movie constantly reminds you, like the consequences for you know those those little things that. Here, we don't think much of a woman getting divorced or a man leaving his wife, whatever, you know. But over there, that was pretty much the end of your, uh, would say, social capital. And so it's a major upheaval. And I actually think that it's pretty brilliant that the movie initially establishes him as someone someone that rejects those notions. But then when he's faced with with the situation where he has the opportunity to take a stand and say, fuck it. I'm just going to go with the woman I love because all this is bullshit. He realizes he can't do it. And how often does that happen to, you know, people in real life where, you know, you talk the talk, but then when it's time to walk the walk, you find mm. out that it's a lot harder than you expected. And it's, you know, it's partly his failings, partly that the situation turns out to be more complicated than he thought because it's not just about him. It's about her, about, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's character in a way also about, you know, writer's character. So I, 
I found his character frustrating because, yes, there, it, it would be a lot more satisfying to have the kind of protagonist that bucks the system all the way. And if the Age of Innocence had been about him uh, breaking away from this society and just the struggles of him as a rebel instead of his, his inner struggle of him as somebody who wishes he could be a rebel but instead finds himself unable to do it time and again... Um, yeah, that would have been more satisfying, I think, on a primal level. But, uh, but that's not the movie that they they were doing. You know, it, 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 the the story is about somebody who fails at at this type of thing. And just, I'm gonna give you a tiny spoiler, Ben, because uh, uh, Alex and I watched uh, Carlito's Way. Uh, oh yeah, a few days ago, and we were having this type of discussion because I I told him I was like, I don't know about you, man, but I found Carlito very frustrating. I understood where he was coming from at all times, but. I kept saying, "Do don't do that, you know. Do differently." I understood why he kept, you know, making certain decisions, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I was like, "I would have done something else," and I can't believe that he's doing this. But that, uh, and you know, this is a movie that's set in a much more contemporary time. But yeah, I, I can't help but draw the parallel now because yeah, with with Daniel Day Lewis, I also kept thinking, you know, there's part of me that was saying, "It's just easy. Just do what you were saying and stop caring and just walk away." But mm-hmm. you know, when you factor in what really is going on with that character's life and their their mindset and it's i think it makes it a little easier to understand you're right with what you are saying like the reminder of the trappings all the way is what is what is key the fact that you constantly see this opulence in every single scene and you see everyone trapped they're all trapped that like they look like the paintings that are on their walls that you know these people cannot get out of this life he will not be able to get out of this life one way or the other you're reminded of that throughout or if he if he does he's going to have to make huge sacrifice huge huge sacrifice which he would have done with her he just wasn't he wasn't going to take the leap exactly sounds like spencer for example i'm i'm with you but go on explain it was in being entrapped and being trapped in a lifestyle there's somebody well, yeah. trapped in a lifestyle, isn't it? And yeah. it's that whole of watching someone try and escape. And I've got a hundred times more sympathy for her in that. Again, you don't relate with her on a social level, but I've got more, you're more on her side. You, Even if you forget the fact that it is Diana as well, that, in my opinion, that's a better way of staying that story. But I, know. I mean, I think it all goes down to, I think it all goes down to liking Daniel Day-Lewis's character. His decisions, I feel like, to really go with the film, you've got to be understanding his decisions, whether it be understand why he decided that or why he can't do something because of that. Whereas for me, I was like, just fucking do it. Why are you caring so much about the society you're living in? Can I say one thing, though? Just leave. You ain't got a film if he just does it. I know, That's what I know, lo- that, you know this, with- this is the film. <laughs> This is the film. I know. I know. So this is the. But you need. But you need. Fr- you like need frustrating. Because- I know. I know. Of course. But you need frustrating characters. You need hurdles, and you need people to be to have flaws because otherwise you've just got. Well, you've got a superhero movie, haven't you? Where perfect, and they just <laughs> swing through ropes, and then they, you know, save the day. But at no but, point yeah. was I with his character and being like, "Okay, I understand why you're doing this now." Also, the problem. The problem as well with this film is if you don't get along with the characters at the beginning. Or you don't can't grab along quickly. It's a very long film, and it's n- not in a very <laughs> yeah, mate. If you weren't foreseen, you were struggling. I knew you would struggle with it. I knew you would. <laughs> it's not, not like in this a very one, engaging film as well, f- consistently as well. So for me, it was definitely one of those films that it didn't grab me straight away, and then I'd 
my tension did start to weather and it was like you're just like you're counting down the minutes now until it's over kind of thing well and i know I, that julio said i'll pick a short film but i don't have a problem with length i've got a problem when you feel the length <laughs> and you definitely felt it with this film and it's one of those ones that because it is so long and so unengaging it switches you off more than you're like, okay, no, like, that's only short. Let's try and get into it now. Come on, no, like, a new scene's happening or a new character's introduced. You're like, okay, let's try and get into it now. Let's, like, almost restart and we can we can roll again and see where we stand. But it, that just never came for me as well. So I would say it's it's maybe at least 20 minutes before you... Well, actually, how long did it take you? Like, at what point in the movie were you fully aware of what was happening uh, between... Dale Day-Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer. At what point were you like, oh, he's falling for the cousin? Like, was that something that you just assumed from the beginning because, you know, we watch a whole bunch of movies and you know that that's what's going to happen? Or I knew that that was going to happen in the film. I did read the plot okay. description of this film because I remember buying the film and remembering that's what the film's about. So as soon as you saw her, you're like, okay, she's the cousin now and this is going to happen. I did not yeah. know, but I assumed because when they go to the balcony, you, can, you know that Winona is immediately engaged him. And then when Michelle Five is introduced and it's talking about, oh, I kissed you in the past or something, she says. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is where this is going because they've had a previous relationship. They obviously like each other in some way. And uh, yeah, that's how I knew the mm. direction from there. I think that those first 20 minutes or so before he actually before he actually does something wrong, I think, you know, as far as we understand it, you know, where he, you would say, starts... Uh, you know he's engaged, but he and it starts making moves somewhat toward uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. You know you have about twenty minutes, I think, where uh, that's when the character, I guess, would hook you if it's if he's gonna hook you, and and mm. I that's how I felt it this time, where I, you know, the the fact that one that he seems very critical of the hypocrisy and the just uh, shallowness of his surroundings. I was like, okay, I I like that, and. The fact that he seemed so willing to uh, work within the system to help the Michelle Pfeiffer character. You know, nobody shows up to her party, so he goes and, and talks to somebody so they can throw a party for her and everybody shows up. He uses his influences to help her. Uh, when it's revealed mm. later that uh, he, uh, he chose to announce his engagement at the ball so that people would talk about the engagement and not about, you know, not gossip about Michelle Pfeiffer. So all those things, I... I felt this time around because I definitely didn't get them the first few times, but I I found that kind of endearing me to his character, so that when he does something as, uh, you know, something that I didn't care for, I was still with the character because I, I I mean one of my notes was like imagine being upset at getting married to Winona Ryder, that is such a like <laughs> long bridge for me yeah. to cross, but you know but it, so yeah. I, I'm with you Paul in that sense because when once he actually starts. Uh, working against his relationship i i lost sympathy for him but the movie had done enough to build him up as a character that i at least understood and i like some aspects of him that i i stuck with him for the rest of the of the movie okay so are you saying that at the beginning when newland is kind of helping her along trying to make her better in, in the in the society did he have an interest in her then I don't think so. I think it happens gradually. Do you okay. think that he was f trying to hook up with her from the beginning? I think I think there was something there from the beginning that was developing as as it went along. But I think from the moment he encounters her on that balcony again, there's something there. 
they'd always be together. They would always fight. And even she was back the other way. I remember like, they, I don't know, it was quite far into the film, but they, when she wants to walk him out of the house and all these little things, they both, they both want to spend time with each other. And they're both the more time that went on, they, the closer they grew. I don't think it was like an infatuation. I think it definitely developed. Well, I think they were kindred spirits. Like, there's a, a, a chemistry there because they're both. I, mean, I keep using the word rebel, but you know, they were both rebels, and uh, mm. in a way, she had rebelled more than he had and paid the price yes. for it. So, I, I understood why he was willing to go out of her way to help her, spend time with her, and all that stuff. And then, before he knows it, twenty minutes. 25 minutes in he's like oh i actually love her but i'm engaged yeah. to someone else so i didn't see it as this sort of manipulation so that he could eventually get with her it was more that he had good intentions and eventually it developed into something that he he couldn't deny um i disapprove of the of the i'm, I'm like you paul like when once a character cheats in the movie it's really hard for me to remain sympathetic the movie has to do a lot of work for me to stay on their side and uh i i'll tell you this i i never I was never rooting for them for this relationship to work. Uh, I, I wasn't hoping that the movie would build towards a happy ending where Daniel Day Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer just lived together. I was more like interested in seeing how it was going to develop because I knew that people were going to get hurt, and I just wanted to see what happened. That's but- right. I agree with that. It, like, if they if they had the happy ending, it would have been a deeply unsatisfying film for me. That what it never felt like it was building to that. I was waiting for the the heartbreaking moment, and when it comes, it's delivered in such a good way because it reveals so much about uh, May, about Winona's character. Because at the moment when he real when he finally realizes why she left, why she turned away from it. He realizes that it was his wife planting the seed, not in a malicious way, but in the way of this is my fiance. We're getting married. Well, no, sorry. They married at that point. This is my husband. I know something is going on. We are having sex regularly to the point where a child <laughs> is the natural, inevitable <laughs> conclusion. I don't know why he was so fucking surprised. What do you think was going to happen? So <laughs> for her to like just turn the wheels ever so slightly there and be like, right, you haven't left me for her. This is it now. I'm going to I'm gonna let her know what the situation is so that she can make the right call. And she does. Everyone acts appropriately at that point, if you ask me. When the pressure point comes, everyone does the right thing. Winona should have done that. We would do that in the same situation. We would expect our, our significant others would probably do that in the same situation. Michelle Pfeiffer does the right thing. And then, well, interestingly, on that point then, Paul, would you say at that moment, should he have left Winona and pursued what he really wanted. Or Which moment? When, when he finds out that she's pregnant or and, and, and pursued uh, her uh, Ellen overseas or did he no, do the right thing? No, it's too thing? late. It's mm. too late. Yeah. So you've, you just, you've just, if you, you couldn't commit in the first literally. place, stay with her now. You've got, she's got a kid. <laughs> you shouldn't have been having sex with her all the time having your cake and eating the boat it. has gone metaphorically and literally in that situation yeah i think yeah, that the fact exactly. that he was like i mean they just did that back then of course they were newlyweds and stuff but the fact that uh <laughs> he was sleeping with her and he didn't think that a child was inevitably going to come and ruin yeah. his plans was particularly naive of him <clears throat> but there's naivety to all of them winona Ryder is massively naive throughout everything until we see that she actually has wisdom at the end he's naive about how he thinks this is all going to play out and 
Michelle Pfeiffer is just naive about her standing when she returns to New York high society that she thinks she's going to be accepted by by the family again and and she's not ultimately i think they these are flawed people who've made who, who've made bad decisions but i don't begrudge the way that either uh the countess or newland um engage with one another i think that was the real heart of the film for me that was very genuine very true they should have carried on like that because they were meant to be together i think they were the they were if you believe in it soulmates um winona Ryder was just that was just systematic that was ritualistic almost it was like well this is part of part of your passage through new york high society you two will be together there was nothing genuine there but as we see in the end sticks to tradition he's old-fashioned as he says i I think the thing is you've got to really be at the position to give these characters a lot of leeway to make mistakes and that's what i wasn't Mm. like i didn't want to do like you've got to First of all, forgive him for cheating on Winona. You gotta forgive her, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, for kind of cheating with with Winona Ryder's <laughs> husband, but then going, "Oh no, I don't want to break up a, a family now that they got a baby." So you gotta forgive her for that. And <laughs> I think that's the hard. That's hard for me. It's like mm. you've already done it. You've you've already betrayed each other. Don't try and pull it back now and say, "Oh, I'm doing this for a good reason now." But you have to give, uh, well, say you have to give characters, you have to give these characters, characters in general, a chance to kind of redeem themselves, right? Like if if you write them off when they make a mistake and then don't give them a chance to uh, to rectify those mistakes as the story goes on, then then Paul, you're cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> I don't forgive anyone, mate. As soon as they make a mistake, <laughs> if you hurt me. You're not getting any any forgivings. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't you find yourselves though, like kind of like moving from Archer to uh, the Countess to Michelle Pfeiffer? Though I, I find her to be the most sympathetic character. Yes. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. So w- wouldn't that at least carry you through the story? Because, like I said earlier, if I cared for somebody, if I I really you know found somebody that I was truly sympathetic toward was this woman who had who was. A lot less. She was more powerless back then than she would in a temporary se- contemporary setting, and so even more so than with with Daniel Day Lewis. Like I, I don't feel like I can demand her to take action and you know do things. Even the what she does in the movie, the the little that she does is already considered scandalous, and uh, it's it's almost like not her fault that she founds her that. Daniel Lewis is making moves on her, you know, and uh, that she's just trying to be happy. She left that. Uh, she did what you want Daniel Day Lewis to do. She left uh, yeah, uh, that marriage yeah. that wasn't working for her, and then she was punished, uh, you know. And and she resists his advances. I think a good for a good time. So I I I found her to be I wouldn't say completely like a, a spotless like blameless character there but out of the three of them the one that was easiest for me to just have sympathy for and just really rally behind her uh did you did you lose sympathy for her like as early on as as you know whenever she was being I wouldn't even say flirtatious with Dale Day Lewis I thought that she was just being you know like you are with somebody that you have a connection with she was quite naive to the whole situation around her 
And that's why I didn't necessarily... That's why I kind of thought he was a bit more of a twat because he was <laughs> playing the two of them off against each other. And he was the only one at the real time who knew the full picture. And I felt that, in my opinion, Michael Michelle Pfeiffer's character got in too deep before she kind of really realised what was actually at stake here and all the where all the cogs were. And then by the time when Oda Ryder's characters worked out what's going on, she kind of put the stopped everything in motion. And it was that that's why Daniel Day Lewis character was just the the twat right because he's trying to he's trying to see how far he can push both of them with getting away with everything at the time before he can make up a decision. But was this film set over probably about six months, isn't it? Maybe longer. Something like that. Well, yeah, six, a year it felt maybe. Like quite a fairly long period of time. I had, I had a totally different read on that, though. I didn't feel like he was playing anyone off against each other at all. Like I, he, well, he wasn't. He was hiding from the truth, as maybe as such. He didn't. Uh, yeah, of course. Wife at home, did yeah. He? So okay, let's agree. He was having an affair. Fine, but however you want to d- define that affair. But I don't think he uh, he didn't w- wish ill on Winona Ryder's character at all. He cared for her, but he he cared for Michelle Fiverr's character a hell, a hell of a lot more. Um, yeah. And he was finding himself, yes, okay, he's in a relationship, but he was finding himself. Look, there are many, many people all over the world that are wonderful people who have been with someone and then have discovered actually they're meant to be with someone else. And yeah. there is, an, I'm sure some some is a very clean break, but as it's messy, there's shades of grey, and um, they end up going that yeah, I mean, I'm not lucky for that. It's just that if you want me to get on board with that as your story, then that's where I'm not kind of jumping on board as such, maybe. How far do you go before you actually start hurting the person that you're with, though? Because me going and meeting Michelle Pfeiffer, going, kissing her hand and everything, still not telling her, impregnating your wife... <laughs> And then still being with her, how far does it go I mean, he, before yeah. you say, I'm not actually happy in this relationship? I would have liked to have found out through some dialogue or something, oh, we, we haven't we haven't laid together in two months or something. That's yes. like, okay, oh, you're not sleeping <laughs> together because also you don't want a child. I would have liked, that yes. would have been nice to get a little line of dialogue like that. Okay. So that's why when that reveal comes, I am all that. I I think, well, you're stupid. You're stupid, Newland. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think that the the period aspect of it makes it a little easier to digest because it would be, you know, it's part of the tradition. So if he yeah. wasn't sleeping with another writer, it, that would be weird. It would be, you know, he's just following what he has to do. I think he just lies there and lets her do all the work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, just to loop in Scorsese into the conversation slightly here, uh, and because you're you're bringing it around to Michelle Pfeiffer, so he was accused with the Irishman when it came out of not being able to write for women or not showing strong female female characters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This, which is, in my opinion, complete rubbish, because he's written amazing uh, female characters before. This is one of them. Michelle Pfeiffer is the strongest character in this film. She's absolutely yep. strong. She's brave. She's the one who comes back. She makes that decision, as you say, to walk away from a terrible relationship, to come back to her society and realise that everyone is talking shit about her after she's after that's revealed to her based on her not being accepted at parties and Daniel Day-Lewis revealing what the truth is. But she doesn't, like, hide away. She She's there proudly. And, uh, you know, she seeks guidance from people, but ultimately she does what she wants to do. She's a very strong woman. And then I think what works with him is that it, it allows us to see that he, a man at the turn of the 19th century, he's the only guy in this film who has progressive views about women. He, he's Someone says to him, well, I suppose you think women should have equal rights. He says, well, yeah, well yes, I do. Yeah. And when they're talking about her shame for uh, 
running away from the marriage and wanting a divorce. He's saying, well, how can you, we hold that against her? Of course you should. He, he treated her terribly. Even when he finds out about the secretary potentially being with her for a year, it's like, well, she, she wanted out. Why shouldn't she, if, if that's what she wants to do? It, her bravery allowed, allowed me to respect New, her, but also Newland a little more because it, it then allowed him to reflect his views on, on women, which at the time were very, very rare. But he wasn't strong enough to leave like she did. So but, but see, why should I don't we respect think, him? I don't think the movie is asking you to respect him, though. I, I think that the movie never puts him uh, puts him as having moral superiority. I think the movie just is happy to just show us his failings. And when mm. the movie's over, I think even he, you know, as he walks away <laughs> from from the chance to see Michelle Pfeiffer again, even he is dissatisfied with his performance in this story. Yeah. So, it, it, I... I I think that the movie never tells you that you should be on board with his actions, but more that you can, if anything, you should just pity him because he has mm. these ideals and he can't live up to them. And he's trying to do good, but he ends up, you know, either harming people or not being able to help them more because the system thwarts him. Uh, That's one thing I did appreciate with um, that ending is the reflection on that was the moment where that could have changed everything when if he was brave enough to walk up to her rather than wait for her to turn around mm. could have changed the the fate of his life kind of thing and he was reflecting on that as he was looking at the window like fuck that was the moment right there yeah and i like that i appreciate that another b- before i totally forget i just want to bring it up there was something that really like tickled my fancy if this if it was going to happen but it didn't happen where he brings up the idea that one day Winona Ryder's going to die, one day uh, May's going to die, and I was like, "Oh, where's this going now?" Because that that kind of like picked <laughs> picked my interest a bit. And then the bit where she comes up to him and says, "I need to tell you something. I've been I've been talking to the doctor," and I was like, "Oh, is she dying?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, okay, this is a good twist." And then it's like, "No, he's just been sleeping with her, of course, yes. and now she's pregnant." <laughs> uh, I, I felt that that moment was very. I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, you, your your experiences shape you. I think that at some point in your life, unless you're extremely lucky, th- there will be a point in your life where you find yourself with somebody that you actually were not meant to be romantically involved, and that realization of oh no, you know, this was a mistake, and mm. it happens. You know, the moment where he's. <laughs> Talking himself into like, well, I can wait it out. She'll she'll die, and then I can go. Like that was that just felt so human, you know. And yeah. it it's tied into that moment in the middle of the movie when he they're on their honeymoon after they got married, and he's putting Michelle Pfeiffer behind, and they're just doing things, they're visiting museums or whatever, and then they're riding a carriage, and they have a little bit of an argument, and then he ends up going like, oh yeah, you're right. And then the voiceover goes, he realized that that's how most arguments were going to end up. Yeah, it was the bit about the person being common. She was like, oh, he was too common, I wouldn't have dinner with him. Yeah. That's that's it. Oh, I didn't think that. But that's devastating. That's a devastating moment. Uh, for and that's the, you're right that's the relatable thing where you start when moments like that happen in relationships and you realize okay maybe i'm not in the right person and yeah. that so just to tie into this this character right he is the secretary who helped countess Zelenska escape from poland or wh- whatever part of europe she was in with her husband correct jonathan price yeah 
I'm not sure. I I thought about it, but okay, that so means. All right. So remember when they first talk about the secretary, when Daniel Day Lewis is is discovering that the secretary helped her escape, and and the implication is then she lived with the secretary for a year. So essentially, they were they were together, and he was still like, oh well, why shouldn't she? So then when he goes to see her in Boston, I think it is sees her on the bench, and they're talking, and she says. The secretary is here. He he's not the count's not come himself. He said, Oh, that's secretary. right. She says it. I forgot that she was the one that said it. Yeah. And then he goes and sees Jonathan Price leave the building. I'm like, right, so this is the secretary. This is the secretary. So how did he encounter him randomly in Paris? Is it just because they move in these same same circles? That's what kind of threw me off. Oh, that's why I kind of put it down. That's- but he was the secretary because then he Price Jonathan Price comes to him the next day and says, Oh, I have you at this voyage. I saw you yesterday. And then he sits down with him and he says, whatever you do, you can't let her go back to that count. And it's like, look, this guy who had obviously had feelings for her, maybe even loved her for a short while, loves her so much that it's like, well, if she's not going to be with, even if she's not going to be with me, she can't go back to him because that was a terrible situation that she was in. And I really, I really respected that. And the fact that Winona Ryder in that carriage looked down, looked down on him I mean that was very telling about her character, but it also made me think: Does she have insight into into the uh, countess situation with the countess? Even then, does she know even then that Newland has some feelings for her, and that's why she doesn't want him coming around because she knows what the inevitable conversation might come around to. See, if she was that, if she knew that, and she knew about, I, I think that a better way to undermine that infatuation would be to invite. Jonathan Price over because if if the rumors mm. are that she had been with him that she'd yeah. been you know his mistress or whatever then that would probably be more off-putting to to Archer I mean he seems pretty shocked when she when he figures it out yeah because I couldn't tell but you're right like that's what he's piecing together uh when he's talking to Jonathan Price at, at that final scene so yeah yeah no I don't think I think she was mostly just being uh uh, she was just being know, snooty, right? In that situation. Snooty. There you go. That's yeah. that's the word I was looking for. That is a <laughs> part of the film where it kind of did lose me. I was like, if you're going to act like this, then why do I care about these people? Yeah, no, but you know, this is the thing. Can they make you care about them despite the fact that they are having this conversations way? about all oh, the theatre and like all of this? I saw it in London and it was good. Or you go, or oh, even when you're travelling, I was like, I don't care about this shit. <laughs> It's like you completely lost me. You go to the theatre more than any of us. You go to, to <laughs> out in London more than any of us, mate. Yeah, not to the theatre. But no. I found it. I found it uh, interesting in the sense that it's not the movie seems to be criticizing a lot of this behavior. So oh, you yeah. always have that voiceover that just is cutting them down and just kind of exposing how shallow they are and how mm. how fake they are and so mm. i think that that makes it palatable like to to compare with a scorsese movie that i don't like uh and you could kind of make a similar argument for it i don't like the wolf of wall street and mm. i i don't like it because i feel that he didn't do enough to criticize that lifestyle and kind I, of the yes. movie gets lost in yeah. instead selling it to you as yes these are reprehensible people but isn't it a lot of fun like look how, yeah. how much fun they're having yeah but like he how- does that with the goodfellas and all that kind of shit doesn't he yes goodfellas is a good one you know but in i think it's just a, a, a matter of modulation you know and i remember feeling the way that you felt about age of innocence with wolf of wall street where i'm like this is still going but i, I feel with also with people. the wolf of wall street is it's been the whole culture of when it came out 
of those whole people who do idolise it and jump on it. When there was probably people like that when Goodfellas came out, but we just weren't exposed to them. I think that's kind of what lets Wolf of Wall Street down as a film is the people who idolise it. It's the same for Peaky Blinders as a TV show, isn't it? There's people who want to be the Peaky Blinders who get their haircuts, they dress up like it. And it's like you're not meant to want to be these people. These people mm. are bad. But it creates that whole this is sexy lifestyle, doesn't it? It's like, oh, we're bad boys. But th- I mean, this is Scorsese. That's just modern uh, life. Scorsese, regardless whether whether it's this or whether it's Casino or or, or even Wolf of Wall Street, his uh, the thing that he seems to be interested in are like community societies, lockdown societies that are almost uh, communities in their own right, and the sort of ritualistic acts that happen in it the mafia it's just it, it, this is we yeah. are seeing the mafia in age of innocence it is it's the mafia they're just as reprehensible as as the mm. mafia but just in very different ways i read a quote where scorsese said that he considers this his most violent film and i can get it because it's the emotional it is the emotional violence everything that is being unsaid in every scene that they're in in every party where everyone is feeling something and not revealing their their uh, true feelings in the situation is absolutely destroying these people at the heart of it i can completely see it. it's that emotional brutality rather than a bullet in the back of the head Mrs. Uh, Mingott is the the Paulie from Goodfellas. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean that whole introduction. It I know that ideally we'd be able to judge this as if it wasn't a like the fact that Scorsese movie shouldn't be a factor. But I couldn't divorce myself from no, knowing that you, you know it's like he has those long shots that yep. just introduce everybody and the voiceover, and it's like when he's introducing the mobsters in Goodfellas exactly. or Casino. Except mm. that here, it's like, oh, and this is the guy that talks about the, the families. And this is the guy that talks about the, the gossip. And yeah. Yeah? yeah, your your buddy Withnail is there, and he's, yeah. he seems like a son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's an absolute son of a world. bitch. I, the, that, the first 20 minutes, when that uh, narration kicked in, I that's where I thought, okay, this film's not going to be for me. Because you're s- such an exposition dump here, so much character introduction. I can't keep up with this. But unfortunately the way they never get the rest of the story you do and you need that narration because there's so much falsehood throughout the whole film that her narration is the only thing that actually gives you the insight like the the last party at the end the goodbye party to the countess it's only because of her narration at towards the end of that party that you realize that everyone in the room knows Winona Ryder absolutely knows what's been going on and this has just been been put on to spare her blushes and it's at the expense of the two of them oh that's amazing and that is what people say it's very lazy to use narration in films you should be able to tell everything without narration this is like case 101 exactly why narration works and I was just about, I was just about to say exactly the same thing but throughout the film I think you realise that everyone knows like we, when you see Withnail on the street and he sees them together and he has this like look mm-hmm. on his face and he know he knows that they're having a secret affair yeah. I think even think Winona knows because she's well, that time when he sends her the flowers for the first time he's like Oh yeah, she got flowers last night. It's like didn't, didn't even try and like explain it. It's like she's, he's just dropping it. Like I know, I know when she got flowers she, last night. When she catches him on the lie, but doesn't pursue it, it's such yeah. a good moment. He's like, oh, when no, he they, says the he's case going got away. postponed. Yes, right. He's like, oh, they postponed the case, but then he like, no, my boss is going. She's like, oh, wasn't the case postponed? No, 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 my going got postponed. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <it was. laughs> and she doesn't like you know she knows and he. 
it's funny because she's supposed to be the naive one, but he is the, the naive one there thinking yeah. that she hasn't figured out, you know, that she, she can't tell. It's uh, And that moment, uh, like I said, I, I wasn't entirely sympathetic to Archer. So when when you get that big moment in the at the party where he's just standing there and the narration tells you that that's when he figured out that everybody had orchestrated this to separate yeah. him from the Countess, I, I found it pretty delicious. Like, I, I was yeah. very satisfied with that turn of events, even though it was against him, because it was just... Such good storytelling, you know. It it's was good building up to that, that and yeah, yeah, and it turns out that this society was so powerful to just swat him aside. It was like, yeah, you can be, you know, you can think you're better than us, but we are more powerful than you, and yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all that matters. So it was, it was pretty good. And I don't know, did you feel? Well, I guess you already said, Paul, that you you felt it was too late because he does make before she reveals that she has a that she's pregnant that before we know a writer reveals that she's pregnant, he is trying to make a break again. Yep. You know, he's like, I'm going to go travel. He's, he keeps trying to tell her something, doesn't he? But then she, she doesn't, isn't that the moment where he goes, I need to tell you something. Then she says, I have something to tell you. He, no, she no, no. shuts That's... him down first. And then there's another time when he tries, he then yeah. says, I want to travel. And that's when she says, oh, well, okay, you can't, you'll have to okay. take me yeah, with you. And I don't the think the time, doctors allow it. Yeah. The first time he's about to tell her and she says, what's the point Michelle Pfeiffer is leaving and we're throwing a party. Yeah. And then the second yeah. time is after the party, he's going to try to, he's trying to tell her and she says, I'm pregnant. So yeah. he yes. can't tell yes. her again. Yes. Yes. I love the yeah. bit where he is sitting in the, uh, in their bed chamber, I suppose. And he's reading a book on Japan, like slightly dropping the clues. there, like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Japan seems pretty cool. I, I'm like, I might feel like going over there sometime. And she's like, what are you reading that for? <laughs> oh, don't know. Just got it in my library over here. I think most of this film is his inability to try hard enough to get her. He like he won't he'll never push himself all the way. He'll he'll like meet her halfway, but she's never willing to come the extra halfway to meet him. He always wants her to come to him. He, well, never, he doesn't want to make her. It should be move. a fifty fifty though. He's in the relationship, he's impregnating his wife, he's in uh, yes, he's in this lavish lifestyle. He could just leave. You would not like it if he was pursuing her harder though. You would not like it if he was like, I must see you, I'm I must see you come there, because then that becomes oh, you're being a bit of a pest now. Like this is a bit unsavory. You've got a, a fiance at home. The the fact that it was these very cautious interactions that they knew it was forbidden the whole time. It felt like forbidden love. That's why all their like caresses and stuff are like in carriages and like him picking up that parasol, man. That fucking scene with that parasol. <laughs> oh mate, that's heavy. That weighed heavy on me because I can see it. I would never do that. I wouldn't sniff a parasol. But I, I, in that moment, I'm like, oh, I get you. I understand why you're doing this. This is very secretive. Absolutely. He can't if if he if he pushed I it. Sniff a parasol. No, all the tra- all the trappings around him don't. Uh, in my opinion, it was like it, it doesn't allow for it. It's tough. He, it was a damned situation that he wasn't going to get out of, unless he w- was to end up like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas, like a snook out out on his own, like a bum with nothing. I just think it's a, he's if you if you really think about it, I think it's just a little gross. He's like putting out like the little sweets, like grooming her into this relationship. Oh, you are very harsh on him, my son. This is not the case. I think he is. It's like let me let me reintroduce you into the society. Let me make sure you're fine. Let me send you these flowers. Like, come on, you, you like I, me? Don't I thought you? Like that, I thought Does that Michelle was... Pfeiffer really like him? Yeah. I thought it was genuine compassion for her. Yeah, I, I felt that way too. I, I I felt that he was he was trying to be welcoming and to an old friend somebody that he used to know that had fallen out of grace in this society that's that he hates 
you know, he hates how cruel they are. Mm-hmm. And so he tr- he knows he's the only one that's going to help her. And then they end up... The way that that relationship evolves, I mean, it really... There's some things they can't help, right? Because he tells her not to get divorced. Because at the time, he's thinking that's the best thing for her. Mm-hmm. Because the backlash of her getting divorced would be just too much. But then because she doesn't get divorced, then later when he wants to be with her, she she tells him, she's like, you, you the reason me. I'm not single is because you told me not to do it. And when he said that, he had the best of intentions. So he, I don't think he's this mastermind that was trying to get in bed with her. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just this guy that keeps finding himself in this, uh, you know, in the throes of love and can't do anything about it. I would on you do something. Who <laughs> <You could> leave? <laughs> I would also say that just the big vibe from the film at this point in life. I'm sure it does isn't reflective of where Scorsese is at now. But he told this story coming coming out the back of his own divorce, and I read that in the film. I feel that I knew it without even checking afterwards that he must have just gone through a divorce because the way marriage is presented is never a good thing in this. Countess Zelensky is coming out of this terrible uh, marriage and he is entering into this marriage. Both of them are, are seen as prisons. The idea of him and the Countess being together is never one of marriage. It's just about being together somewhere away from everything. Um, so marriage is yet, at that point, I think for Scorsese, it was yet another system with Much better symbols than and stuff. Chris Rock in Spiral. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> In Chris Rock, in the Spiral How? film. And, oh, Chris Rock. And he's always like anti-marriage in the whole right. film, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all that on the nose stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw where his head was going then. <laughs> I thought his, <laughs> his, his synapses are failing on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Chris Rock. <laughs> um, uh, can I, my favourite shot in this whole film, because you can't talk about this film without talking about a, a, a nice little shot and an edit, was that scene where they're in the balcony together. At the intermission of the play, and the iris closes in, and the sound yeah. drops out. So you just when the focus. light just focuses on them. Yes, yep. yeah, that's amazing, and w- that's what I love about Scor- and that's how you would know, even if you didn't know it was a Scorsese film, that it was a Scorsese film because he puts this man's these got very vision jarring edits. Well, it's not even him. It, well, it is, but it's 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 Thelma Shoemaker. It's Thelma Shoemaker who puts her fingerprints all over his films with the edits because. The edits that she puts into every film, but also, but particularly the ones in this, make you feel a certain way because of the edit. That scene would have played out very, very differently were it another way. Like when, when she gets the flowers, when she gets the flowers from him and it flares yellow and then later he's just in a room and it flares red, it makes you feel a certain way. And you wouldn't get those sort of bold editorial choices in, in a conventional uh, period drama you wouldn't get cameras moving the way that they do in this film either you wouldn't get them panning behind people and even in the static shots what or what seems to be static shots the camera's moving slightly to which changes the way it's presented those very staid period dramas that are just framed pictures when you watch and people are pouring tea and stuff you don't really get that in this or when you do it's this is something that's happening while this really explosive conversation happens about what's really going on in high society I always remember from uh, the first time I watched it, the, those shots from when they're reading the letters, but it's just Scorsese just moving the camera towards the person that wrote the letter and they're reading yeah. it directly to the camera. Always stuck with me. Uh, it's just, it's effective. It, it, it really, it would feel out of place if the entire movie wasn't shot with that style, but it's just very, yeah. it, it's shot uh, in a very 
contemporary style. Jenny was not brought into the scene where they're talking early in the film. They're talking over dinner over something. Maybe it's about the countess early on and they keep cutting while they're having the conversation. They keep cutting to all this food being served. And I do get, I, I get it because it's like, they're really trying to reinforce how all this, this finery is so embedded in their lives at all stages, but it is really jarring because they're, they're giving you this dialogue that you're meant to focus on. And it's like, I hear we're now just skinning this fish over here. Like, no, no, rein it back a little <laughs> bit there. We don't need that. We don't need as much of it. And I think that is probably, well, we haven't given scores, but it's not a, per- it's not a perfect film, obviously, but a lot of it comes down to there being some editorial choices which just don't quite flow as seamlessly as they might otherwise throughout this film um and the uh, i do think it is a bloated a slightly bloated film i think it could have lost 30 minutes maybe it's meant to be very faithful to the book by all accounts so Mm. i'll say that i really i really did appreciate the um the way it was lit the way it was edited that i i really appreciated like the lighting how how it, it was almost like it's an, it, on on a stage where it suddenly zoom mm. in and they get the, the the spotlight on on Daniel Day Lewis's face and then it'd be like a filter of like red or something, and then um that was that was really lovely and I I really appreciate all like the shots of all the food as you say it really like shows you that like lavish overindulgent lifestyle and really makes you feel sick of how rich these people are and I liked that. It, it gives it gives you that, that feeling straight away that this is the life you're in right now. Mm. That's good. Sets I, the scene. Yeah. I had this thought as as it was you know it's one of my final notes, but that that you know the voiceover and the way that this is shot and just uh, the examination of what life in New York for the upper class was back then, and uh, I just I want to see like the movie from a hundred from years hundred years from now, the movie that's made about the the year you know 2000 to 2020 that we're in now just that with this style like that kind of examination <laughs> it just you just have a voiceover that just goes over oh, uh, you know and they they were on their computers and they the- were on their phones and they mm. you know like yeah. we've changed so much but we're still the kind of uh Human. you know like a hundred years in the future people will probably look at our lifestyles the same way that we look at the lifestyles from a hundred years ago, we're like, how did they yes. live like that? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And and also, be- we're so we're probably so privileged. Look at how they took electricity for granted. They just had it constantly, <laughs> all the time. Mm, we're getting very deep now, Ben. <laughs> this well. dystopian world that's going to happen in the future. Um, j- just on a, uh, just on the um ending what's your what's your take on that final scene what does it mean that he doesn't go up and walks away why he says some i feel like he thinks some things are better left live in the moment live in the memory kind of if it was meant mm. to be it was meant to be well i agree yes it's not to put too fine a point on it yeah that's the, that's the same way that i feel actually yeah it's too late yeah you had your moment. Like you say, it was that If you go back moment. now, it's never going to be the same as what it was, what you think it was. People have moved on. Mm. I mean, you can unpack it even more. I, I I felt like, yeah, my instant reaction was like, all right, he, he feels like he missed the window and now it's not worth Literally it. Literally missed the window. <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> Again, he's missed the boat, he's missed the window. 
Yeah. yeah. That was his window but, of opportunity. Do you think that it is because, you know, even on a deeper level, he just doesn't feel like he is really worth it? Like, after all these years, he just doesn't want to go up to her because he doesn't think that now that he's free, you know, he has no excuses. And so is he, does he feel like mm. he's not going to live up to what the relationship is in their minds that's or does he interesting think that she's not going to live up to it you know it's it's easier to walk away but it that that's such a bigger condemnation of the character though i think if that's the case if he's walking away because he's a coward in the end yeah you know well it, that so, would read that would fall in with uh your reading paul because it would be a case of him feeling almost like oh i should i should have done so much more i can't show my face up there because she's going to be mm. she's going to be outraged at me I think it could also be read as another time when he just can't commit to what he wants, where he's literally sitting there I don't think that waiting, that this time. waiting for her to open the window. That's what he's imagining, <laughs> her coming to the window again. He says something to his son, though, doesn't he? Him. He's like, oh, I'm old-fashioned. Tell her I'm old-fashioned or something like that. Yeah, but he's that, obviously... And, uh, Old-fashioned being ultimately saying, well, "I'm still, I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in the old, the old rituals, the old way of life. I, I haven't quite broken out of it yet." And I think maybe when he says, "Tell her I'm old-fashioned," there is a little bit of, "Yeah, she may be dead." This is hidden message. Yeah, but I think it's also. I, I mean, I may be giving him too much credit with this, but I, I kind of felt there was a little bit of, even though she said on her deathbed, essentially, he can be with her now. Uh, he was like, "No, I will honor my wife." even after death. And the thing that was even interesting... he was like, she never gave me opportunity to leave. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, no, he, he didn't say it in that harsh way. It was more like when... when, when, uh, when the, the son, what does the son say? The son says that she said, uh, and he, he stayed with us just because I asked him to. And she said, she never asked me to. My, my read on that was more... She, she didn't ask because it wasn't something I was actually going to do. When that circumstance came about, it was my duty to stay. No, I read it more like, I mean, I don't know that he was super bitter about it, but it was more him telling his son back then there was no question. I mean, she might have asked you literally, but the answer was always going to, there was no other answer that I could give. Yeah. Um, him saying that he had no choice. That is really, I forgot that he's, his last line is that he's old fashioned because yeah, that explains actually a lot. You know, he's just, it, it ties in with the fact that the voiceover explains to you, it, and I thought it was really sweet that Winner Ryder kind of, was shielded from her family about the changing world outside. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that she she died still thinking that things were traditional the way that she was used to. And but in a way he stayed alive and he's also been hasn't been able to catch up. Maybe to him, the idea of a a, a romance when he's in his late fifties is just it's too avant-garde. And so yeah. he's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm old-fashioned. I can't do this. Yeah. You know, the, the time for romance was in my 30s. Yeah. I could see him, like, dropping out a frame of this film and pop it, popping up in the next one in, in Limelight, just being the tramp by that point. It's a natural progression. He <laughs> just wasn't an entertainer, but it's a natural progression. <laughs> that, uh, the final scene, and I thought, oh, this is really profound. That final scene, there's a quote I love which I always believed was from Captain Corelli's mandolin, which is, with one hand, the past pushes us forwards, and with the other, it holds us back. And I thought, that's true for this scene there, because it's like nostalgia deep, nostalgia for that time, something that could have been, but you know you, mu you must move on. But at the end of the day, you can never fully move on, that, that grasping. I thought it was really profound. And I, I wanted to get that quote right before we came on this recording, so I Googled <laughs> it, 
Oh, fucking hell. It's not from Captain Credit's mandolin at all. It's from Lilith, says it on Frasier. And <laughs> that's one of the great lines in Frasier. Yeah, well, I thought Captain Corelli's mandolin. Look, the writers on Frasier were fantastic, man. I Frasier, Crane, would have loved The Age of Innocence. He would have wept like a baby over The Age of Innocence. My goodness. Uh, just give a shout out to Geraldine Chaplin. Yes. Making an appearance in both of Julio's latest picks on the film busters. <laughs> who's, who's, who's Wide that? age. She's a uh, she's Winona's mother, right? I think she, I think she's Winona Ryder's mom. Yeah, Winona Ryder's mother. Yeah. Who was she in Moonlight? In uh, Limelight. Limelight. Yeah. Who was she in Limelight? Well, she was a child. She was one of the the, the screaming children when oh. he when Chaplin oh. first gets to his. Okay, I didn't even realize that was Chaplin's kid in there. Wow. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. And also shout yeah, out yeah. to Miriam Margolis for being a legend in real life. Julio, if you have never seen any interviews with her... Uh, she just bonkers it, but in the best way possible. Yes, absolutely. She says the most... Normally what happens is there's a show over here called The Graham Norton Show. She appears on it fairly regularly, normally alongside a really high-profile actor straight out of Hollywood. And they have no idea what they're in for when they sit down beside her. She says the most outlandish stuff... <laughs> They cannot, they cannot believe what comes out of her mouth. And funnily enough, on the last Graham Norton, Adam, you must have heard it because she would. It was only a couple oh, of months ago. Uh, she said while on the set of this because she felt sorry for the costume department whenever they were coming through and dressing people. She would just flash her tits constantly throughout. She said she wanted to give them something to smile about. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure they would smile. <laughs> And yeah, also, she's apparently, shit crazy in the best way. I know she is crazy, right? Can you imagine her <laughs> in, in that reclined bed? She's the type of person that you want to go to a party with. Oh yeah, because you know you just be like, okay, we're she, having a good night tonight. She was very bitter that she didn't get a supporting actress nomination in this film, and Winona did. Very, she, I don't know. If, I don't know if she would. I mean, well, she, well, she felt more entitled than Winona. I. Uh, I mean, I would say that she does put in more of a performance than Winona for me. Winona is great in it. And Julio, to come back to your come full circle, to come back to the whole Winona thing, <laughs> I think she played Winona very, very well for the first half of the film. It's like what you would expect from Winona in a period film. She hasn't quite shaken off the shackles of 20th century acting. But then the depths of her performance in the second half are great. That they're not like too melodramatic or on the surface. It's very reserved. So I think she. I think this was a great, great film for her. Yeah, I, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when she she tells Archer, uh, no, you're not going unless you take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did, did it feel like the wind was knocked out of your sails at that moment as well? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a killer. And Paul was like, yeah, fuck it. Good, good. good. Get locked into this life of servitude for the next three decades, you mug. He's a fucker. How, how dare you kiss her palm? <laughs> in the most respectful of ways. Let me just say, right, if Jenny, right, suddenly some man was kissing her feet and palms, well, would be course. well upset, mate. Well, of course, yeah. I, but I'm not New York high society. <laughs> East South London's finest. Now, South London's finest. We have our own rituals and insignia over here. We have our own trappings. <laughs> but that's it. But that's what works. It's my closing comments on it. That's what works. It didn't matter that it was... I said it at the beginning... It, High society, very different worlds, uh, a world that I didn't particularly res- respect or condone, actions by people that I didn't necessarily condone or endorse or hold the same beliefs as, but ultimately the three people at the heart of the story, I felt for all of them and didn't feel any of them 
uh, were, were not wrong because they all made mistakes and were all flawed, but I felt for all of them. I felt for their human experience, each one of them, and I felt pity for all three of them. And let me say, I don't hate all of them. I kind of do like Michelle's Pfeiffer's character, you're right. She's the most likeable in the film. But because I couldn't latch on and really like any of them, it brought along the why do I like, why am I watching this? I don't like any of these people, and mm. as well as boredom. Cool. And Did it feel to you like the film was almost like a gatekeeping kind of film in some weird way? That kind of society is a gatekeeping society. They don't let they let mm. people in. This film kind of felt like to me to get in, you have to get it. If you don't get it, if you're not invited here, you're not coming along, kind of thing. To me, I mean, it's, I don't think it's not you don't get it. I think it's just whether am, you're yeah. willing to go with that society and yeah. just gel with how the characters are making stupid decisions. Well, in ten years' time, I shall be rewatching this film and we shall be <laughs> yes. recording a podcast on it. <laughs> Absolutely, we shall see. We do it in five years for Paul. Uh, t- 10 years for me absolutely is, I don't know what's the differences but yeah um, I'm sure it'll be better than Back to the Future for you Adam oh yes it will be <laughs> <laughs> I watch this every single day on repeat and, well, and give it a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> yeah Julio's right it, it, like it, no one's uh, wrong on this everyone's read is their their read though the only the only different the thing that i will slightly contest julio is that i think with age potentially comes and this sounds so condescending it's not meant in this way that's why they want to bring it up but i know it has to be brought up it, it, it just how do you not sound condescending yeah it's it's uh, the the more you live and experience and and you know, for, and other, you know, you, well, you, we've all had. I'm not, I'm not going to get deep on this about people's personal lives and stuff. But everyone, everyone has long term relationships in the in the past that have have. Well, they haven't worked out obviously because they were in the past. But we've got these <laughs> long term relationships, and the more of those you have an experience, I think you have a more an, an enriched vision of what it means to love, and that it isn't as black and white as okay. I didn't love that person enough, or I did love that person enough, etc. You know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I might give it another another go yeah. in five years' time. Well, I found I found with age. I think that what I found is that I've I'm a little more willing to to give someone the benefit of the doubt, or to just uh, you know, even if not fully forgive them, at least to kind of try to see their side. And mm. it doesn't happen all the time. There are, I mean my friends and family know that there there are some things where I just will be very inflexible as far as what I will allow and won't allow and that kind of thing. But uh, like I said, when I was younger and watched this movie, I, I had an experience like yours, Paul, where I couldn't get past the fact that, uh, you know, he was cheating and she was cheating and, you know, that part of it. And when I watch it now, I'm just seeing it like, well, these are people that didn't know what else they could do. <laughs> you know, it's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of harm being done but almost accidentally, you know. Listening to or, you guys talk about it, it has kind of obviously opened up my opinion a bit more to it because I do feel I was quite shut off to the film for the minute one kind of thing. I did, and I'll admit that I didn't, I just didn't get on board with it, and I very struggled to get into it, and I just it kept losing me the more it went on. I wouldn't blame you. I, now I listening to it you. and then going back with these opinions and trying to look at what you've said and going back in with it, that view, it could help. But I don't know if I'll ever hide it in the the way that you two do have you elevated your score then well it's time to find (laughs) out it's time to find out right i want to know if you've elevated it 
from this conversation, Adam, because this is very telling of whether this section works for you or not. No, I've, I've been stuck between two scores, and I think I'm sticking with my original score anyway. Okay. All right. Have we got any closing things to to say before we go to the scoreboard? I think I think we talked about everything. Yeah. I would just say Daniel Day. One thing, Daniel Day Lewis, very great because i expected when i started the film oh we're gonna get a fantastic daniel day lewis performance here but it's just incredibly reserved and it's brilliant in how and it's minimal, almost the minimal way to act as well oh yeah absolutely yeah anyway shall i start with my score then because i went first come on then let's hear that low ball <laughs> the fact that this this gets its points from the fact it was well all the technical aspects were there as well acted well shot and all of that and i give it a five out of ten so that went up from a four no, it was going to be a six, but I thought, no, it's definitely a five. You've dropped it down based <laughs> on our conversation. conversation. No, I mean, I was always between a five and a six throughout this whole film. Oh, right. Okay. I, I mean, look, before I started speaking to you, it was always like, is it a five? Is it a six? But I thought six and then you've got to go on your enjoyment level five so I can give it to it for this technical ability and stuff. All right. Because it's not actually a bad film. It's not a bad film. It's just I didn't find it interesting film. Well, let's say we can make a stairway here. <laughs> Oh yeah, well we're maybe not we're not because it's going to a four out of ten for me. Yeah, <laughs> low for you, isn't it? Yeah, we're going the wrong way in the staircase. <laughs> we're going into a trough. This is okay. it. Julio's been bluffing Ben this whole time. Yes, yeah, entirely Why possible. Going to leave me three sheets to the wind. Well, I, I really enjoyed it. It's an eight out of ten. Uh, yeah. Eight out of ten for me too. Uh, I want to say when I watched it last time, I gave it three stars. Like I didn't give it to it to it like right away, but it was like in my memory it was a three star. And whenever I logged it on Letterbox, just without a review, I put three stars. Just kind of like appreciating right. how it was made, but no emotional, no emotional That's resonance. Exactly, kind of where I kind of felt. Yeah, uh, I, it's not five stars because in the end, I mean, I don't get. You know, whenever I give something five stars, it's because I really like got up and like. You know, shaking yeah. my fist, and it was just yeah. standing up, really, watching it, pacing around. Yeah, but this was more of a, a a more intellectual, you know, situation. But who knows? You know, ten years from now, I might give it a five star rating just yeah. because it'll hit me <laughs> yeah. even harder. Uh, but still, it's quite the increase from last time I watched it. So very interesting. Happy. Right? Yes, we have some reviews from our wonderful listeners on Twitter. First, we got Luke Human, our new patron, and he says. An aesthetically astounding vision of 1870s New York high society, societal pressure clashes with romantic ideals and raises questions of conformity and commitment. With tempered yet powerful performances, this argues the case for convention being more rewarding than desire. Uh, okay, th- this he always guy. just does Good it, man. Point. I think I need to leave the podcast and we'll just get here more. I'll pay you guys the all patron money that he's paying. We'll just do a little swap. I'd be the new Adam then. I'd have to leave. <laughs> no, I think it'll be. You wouldn't have to make as much effort. No. You'll be. You, you'll get very annoyed at him straight away, Ben. He'll be stealing your thunder. <laughs> um, uh, the next one is from Steve, but it's not the normal Steve. It's Steve Exeter, um, like the county. He says, one of my favourites. Thanks I for re- that. <laughs> I, one of my favourites. I recently upgraded it to this, um, the Criterion Collection edition. Like our hey, friend Julio. Another Criterion uh, fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then Movies131 says, beautiful film, but it felt a little bloated to me. Ooh. But you said, Ben. Yeah. Bloated. Yeah. 
I mean, the thing is, it's just as a sidebar about long films, a lot of people say, oh, well, why have films now got to be so long? Let me tell you, as someone who a couple of years ago started chronologically going through the 1001 films to see before you die, those films in the 20s and 30s were fucking four <laughs> hours long for the most part. Most of them, that was an average. If you got something less than three hours, they were like shortchanging you. They were shortchanging you back in the day. <laughs> Films were long. People wanted to go in that movie theatre, sit down for 10 hours, and they didn't want to move. Entertain me. I, lo- I love... When, when It's a commitment when you have a, a film. Three, three hours nowadays, four, like four hours, you can really go on a journey with that film, and that can make it even more special that it's that length. Just like Snyder Cut. I haven't got a problem with a film being long. I've got a problem with a film being unnecessarily long and you feel the length. If a story needs to be told, a story needs to be told, whatever. You're getting in there from the beginning. You trust these people to make that film and do it in their best way. But it's when they don't... But you've got to do it well. You've got to do it right. Because you are then... You're asking for it. You're, you're, you're playing a risk now. It's like a game of roulette almost. Like Once you start taking on over two hours, over two hours 20, you've got to be earning those... You've got to be earning it. I mean, there's something also to be said nowadays about films being streamed so much on these different platforms that a two-hour-plus commitment is not what people are looking for. When when people want to stream, quick, easy access, let me get it on, boom. If you've, if you've gone to the cinema or you've bought the Blu-ray, I think people are more willing to commit to a, a longer yeah. film because you're like, this is, this is yeah. a movie experience. Whereas streaming, mm-hmm. you see over two hours. Mm. Anyway... Well, shall we place this film? We don't even need to place yes. it because it's got its own unique score. So we'll do it live, shall we? All right, folks. So <laughs> the scores were four, five, eight, and eight. That averages out at 6.25, which is a criminally low score. But there we go. That is a unique <laughs> score over at Film Buses. We've never had a 6.25. So I will it should tell go to you. 6.3, that's why. Why? You roll it up, do you? That's, that's yeah. still a unique score. So it averages out at 6.3. And that means that it places, well, I'm going to go our relegation zone, our bottom 10. So the one above relegation zone is Persona. Is that low? It's very low. There's a few films to go through, but it's very low. So (laughs) working up from the relegation zone, we have Persona at 5.7, Jason X, Shazam, Rise of Skywalker, Captain Marvel, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom all on six. We then have Crimson Peak at 6.1. And How's it, that up there? And then it goes above Crimson Peak, below Power Rangers. <laughs> what do you think Scorsese would have to say about that? All his, all his insight into the Marvel Universe you can't, put, you can't put Power Rangers down to me. <laughs> that was some Power Rangers has the power that of nostalgia. guests that got involved. Or I guess if, if this doesn't say all about the film okay. podcast, I, I I am I am changing my the score. I was you know I, I had a movie pick to change the score to, but now Power Rangers <laughs> is <laughs> my my new target. Scott is going to just appear in a world of ferocious power of Rangers puff. Have you seen the Power Rangers film, Julio? Yes, I it's can't. terrible. I, yeah. No, but, I've seen the. Well, I, I saw the most recent one. I didn't see the one that you guys did. Because I wouldn't oh. want to. <laughs> no, I mean, t- to be honest, Julio, oh, just so you yeah. know, I haven't seen it yet. When I see it, it will get re-scored, and I'm fairly confident that it will move down, just so you know. So, Unless then, you watch it at, like, 11 o'clock at night, and you're absolutely wankered. Maybe. Then you might enjoy What, like it. you watch every film, Adam? Yes. No. I won't watch films drunk. 
so what that would mean when it inevitably surpasses Power Rangers, which it will, I'm sure, it means it will sit below the house that Jack built. Uh, which, I'm just surprised surprisingly, that, I'm okay surprisingly though, Crimson Peak being next to it, that's that kind of like... Very similar. Same, it's the only yeah, other period. Very similar dress and era. Now, that's mm. interesting. That this film is, is much better than Crimson Peak. Oh, absolutely. <coughs> well, look what you did, well, though. At least, it's at least one place bigger, better than Crimson Peak. <laughs> right. Uh, Adam. Yes, Ben. You gave this film a five, right? Yeah. You know what you gave Crimson Peak? I thought it would be like a two or a three. Oh, no, it's fair enough. I was about to chew you out, but you did give Crimson Peak lower. That's okay. Paul, you <laughs> you gave Crimson Peak... Uh, you thought Crimson Peak was better, did I you? I remember the Crimson Peak episode, because now... We had I, probably, M- I probably would rather watch Crimson Peak than this yeah, film, Yeah, you gave Crimson Peak a six. Good I word. remember yeah, doing it, and it was with M, wasn't it? And she was saying how much she loved the film and how great it was, and I was like, nah, this film is shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I it remember much more going yet. for it than, What do you think of Crimson Peak, Julio? This film. I didn't like it. I, mm. I remember... Boring being i mean not so much bored but it was just the 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 problem with a lot of Guillermo del toro movies uh is that they i think that they look great but the story doesn't hold up the way the characters act and all that and yeah. i remember feeling that way with crimson peak where it was just i would get frustrated i didn't buy into the romance aspect of it and no. yeah i, mean, I had uh, the same problem with uh it had ghosts and that's better than this film uh, no, <laughs> this film had letters being read to you. <laughs> it had hand kisses and feet kisses. It had with every, nail. yeah, it had with now, right? <laughs> every time we have guests on and we get to this point, uh, every, everyone is so disappointed, probably <laughs> where the film positions based on what they hear is around it. <laughs> when we had Stacy on recently and we had to place the uh, Tony Scott films, and he heard what was above them. he was like I've wasted the last three hours talking to you boys (laughs) well there you go listeners there you go 6.25 it's sitting very low I think that's probably the one I disagree with the most down in that bottom 20 position yeah I can stay down there for me that's fine or do you do you you disagree with more how low it is or that Power Rangers is above it. No, I mean it's it's very low. I think you know, generally speaking, like we are a as all podcasts are there uh, by committee. It's all three of us, but as a collective, it disappoints me that we rate like fro- <laughs> even like Frozen Two, Frozen Two. I haven't seen above Frozen this. Two. That's not a complete score. So low. I rate Frozen Two the same as this film. <laughs> I mean, Julio, you can you can. Take comfort in the fact that Jesus Christ Superstar is many, many marks above it. <laughs> exactly. Good. That's what counts. You haven't got Good. anything in our relegation zone yet. What Julio, are you so going to change, okay. Julio? Yes. Oh, my God. Of course. Oh, uh, well, it's funny that we were talking about Del Toro because actually I'm going to give uh, Pan's Labyrinth a 10 because that movie oh! is oh. perfect. And it wow. is crazy slow. <laughs> ben? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can always go uh, sing the praises of Avengers Endgame or Infinity War if you'd no, like. No, let uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm locking that 10 in, I'm afraid, Julio. <laughs> right, so that means... Okay, we need to place this, boy. So that is jumping uh, Pan's Labyrinth right up to three other films that are at 7.5. This is going to be easy for me. So, Between us three. Yes. Okay, so yeah, go on, you go ahead because... Okay, so I'll, I'll go first. So it goes above It goes above Suicide Squad and Burn After Reading for me, but it sits below George. Wait, 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 wait. Suicide Squad? 
Yeah, doesn't go past it <laughs> because me and Adam rate it higher. <laughs> oh well, well done, Adam. You proud of yourself? What did I you rate above? <laughs> Hey, well, what you it, rate I gave Suicide, Suicide Squad an eight, probably. I'd probably give Panda Labyrinth a seven or an eight, by yeah. memory. No, you gave Panda a seven. See, Adam, let me tell you something. When you <laughs> when you score these films, try not to go on like, go, oh yeah, I had a good time. It's an it's an eight. You have to use those critical faculties that you apply to Suicide Squad and Avengers Endgame to films like this that we covered today. Use your critical faculties. <laughs> so it pains there me. It sits. So there we go, everyone. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan anyway, but I, I think it deserved better than this. But it sits above the Velocipasta and below the Suicide Squad. Get one shot in at Adam there. It's above Velocipasta. It's above the Velocipasta. You did that. Have you seen well, Velocipasta, Julio? I did. I did not enjoy oh, it did? at all. Yeah, Ooh. I did. I watched it because everybody was talking about it. and It's not it your just... stick, is it? That, kind, that, nope. that sort of humor in there. I, uh, I've got one of those in me a year, I would say. One. <laughs> one a year is allowed. Yeah, I feel bad because I really wanted to. The guy, uh, the director, was like pretty active on Twitter for a while. And I was like, oh, he sounds yeah. cool. I'm just going to watch it. And it was. I, I didn't have anything nice to say about it. So I mostly kept my opinion Don't to say myself. Anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, not my thing. Well, when thank you, you for shaking up your the score. <laughs> Adam singing. You love it. There we go. All right. Thanks for dropping the bomb, Julio. Shall we go over to what patrons think? Yes, let's go over to what our patrons have to say. What they've, been, what they've been watching. Right, yes. Let's move on to what our patrons have to say. They basically send us what they've been watching this week, whether it's good or bad. They want us to watch it or not watch it. That's what we're talking about. Julio, do you want to go first or last? Or a sandwich? I'll, I'll be the sandwich. Okay. Okay. So we'll start. We've got Sean Panner Nicholson, and he says, I got to see my first 4K Blu ray this week, and it was fantastic. The Shining is a great film, but watching it in 4K is something else entirely. I thought 80s Jack Nicholson was in the room with me and chasing me through the maze that is my living room. Massive thanks to fellow patron and all round good guy Jamie Russell for recommending I get it on 4K. It was worth every penny. Do you want to speak about that first? What can you say? 4K is great. The Shining's great. Yeah. Yeah. So is Doctor Sleep. <laughs> I was about to say, Doctor Sleep is better. <laughs> oh, it there. is. You, it is you and Paul, man. You and You're Paul. You're correct. <laughs> I've never known two people that mean more wrong. <laughs> what do you rate them both, Julio? I've never looked. Uh, I think I give it four, maybe four and a half even. I, I think the ending kind of falls apart, but the... Uh, I mean, talk about emotional things. I was talking about like, in a the film bus as well. Me... That's an eight nine, not out of ten. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, eight yeah. nine, eight nine. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> why do you guys look so confused? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to do the rest. <laughs> eight nine. Yeah, the everything that has to do with uh, uh, Danny's battle with alcoholism and his with the moment uh, halfway through the movie when he talks about uh, he goes to the AA meeting and he's like, "This is for my father," you know, he, mm. he accepts the the little token it was just like that's the kind of i don't get that from the shining the shining is just creepy but i don't get anything mm-hmm. emotional about it yes did you watch the director's cut i haven't because it's so that, long it, it makes it even better i've it's heard so good i've heard but it's an investment so yes, i have to is. wait till i have like i don't know three hours available to, to do it that's one of those long films but but 
by your own logic, Julio, because I obviously listened very intently recently on your Halloween Kills episode and, and previous horror episodes that you've spoken about. As a horror film, you would probably say that The Shining works better as a as a horror film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did. No. I didn't find Doctor Sleep creepy at all, except yeah. for the one scene where they uh, they go to town on uh, the kid from the room. Um, what's his name? Oh, you know, yes. the, the little kid. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, disturbing. Yeah. But but it's not like it keeps that that level of intensity throughout the entire movie. Mm. <laughs> the best moment in Doctor Sleep. Man takes a drink. Yeah. Drink takes a drink, and the drink takes the man. What a line! I don't know if that's original <laughs> King or not, but that's that's brilliant. Great line. Yeah. 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 Anyway, right. Let me. F- let me finish what Sean's saying. He says, I also watched Martin Scorsese's Silence again for the first time since it came out, and I really enjoyed it. Well, enjoyed it is an odd way to put it, but I love the central premise. Andrew Garfield's acting, and even though it feels weird to say it, it's long runtime and drawn-out pacing. He no, looked, well, it's like he's in go. sync with what we're talking about. Yes. It added to the experience somehow. Did I happen to mention Succession is the best TV show on TV at the moment? All right, has anyone yes. watched Silence? No, I saw don't, If you out. don't like Age of Innocence, Paul, don't bother. <laughs> it's well. the same shit again. <laughs> oh, Adam. You it's about, so it's even worse. About, uh, it's about religion. In the same way as this could... Oh, I haven't seen Silence, but like, just because it's about priests doesn't necessarily mean that it's about religion. It's probably right, more it about man. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I was going <laughs> to watch it yesterday. It is, it is a little bloated. That one, I would say it's bloated. Features your, well, your there you go, Sean. favorite actor, though, uh, Andrew Garfield, Ben. Garfield, so. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I've been harsh on him for no reason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- remember why I've said all this when I'm in bed tonight, and I'll correct it, I'll correct it when the episode comes out in a tweet. Uh, all right, lovely stuff. Mm. And Oh, sorry, it's not me, is it? It's me. Uh, so next up, we have words from the Jamie Russell the Jamie Russell, as we can always yeah. talk about. Um, he says, I watched the latest Tom Hanks film called Finch on Apple TV. A simple yet touching tale of friendship between man, animal and machine in a post-apocalyptic environment. Nothing particularly groundbreaking, but I'm always pleased to see a big budget film that has genuine heart. And my daughter has simply adored the robot called Jeff in this film. I haven't seen it, as anyone? I haven't seen, seen it. it. I've seen it advertised. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. probably was going to watch it, but I have cancelled my Apple TV, so I probably won't get around to it until next year when I renew it for Ted Lasso. I feel like you know what it's going to be about. Tom Hanks, a dog, a little robot. That feels a little bit <laughs> yeah. too... Ugh. What's the word? <laughs> a little bit too twee for me. If it's got a genuine heart, then it can't be too bad. If it, doesn't, if it sounds like it's got heart in it, then yeah. Uh, next, he goes and says, A Tale of Two Sisters by Kim Jong-un is a smartly crafted atmospheric psychological horror film. <laughs> His name wasn't John? One. You said Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. Woon. G. Woon. Kim Ji-woon. Kim Ji-woon. Kim Ji-woon. Okay, anyway. A Tale of Two Sisters by Kim Ji-woon is a simply crafted atmospheric psychological horror film that, with a nearly consistent undertone of dread. <laughs> Although it imitated by many horror Hollywood horrors, oh my god, I've lost my train of thought now. I'm doing so. You were well. doing so well in that first part. Oh, you were doing well. Although imitated by many horror Hollywood horrors since, there are scenes that in this journey had me on the edge of my. Does that work? <laughs> he's just, just putting words in his mouth. <laughs> the thing is, because it dropped, it dropped off the line, and I thought it was going to say "edge of my seat," but it just said "edge." Oh, sorry. Let me start again. It generally had me on the. 
on edge and that will always get my mark of <laughs> approval as a result. My final recommendation is a film by Jane Champion. Is that Champion? Champion. You should Champion. know. Campion. Champion. Yeah, Jane Campion. The Power Julio of the Dog. Knows. Oh, is this that film, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I remember we went to the BFI. You saw her there. And you were like, I had to take a picture for Julio. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. The Power of the Dog. I thought it was a wonderful film with a stunning Western backdrop and a fantastic Greenwood score. This sets the scene as an absorbing exploration of gender representation and psychosexual dynamics. Kemba Batch and an actor that I don't normally like is ideally but is ideally cast in a role that is complex and intriguing, ultimately leading to a final act that should leave an impression on you. Oscars surely await this film, despite it being a Netflix product. I will get round to watching Power of the Dog at some point, because obviously it's on Netflix, it's quite easy to watch. You won't like but, it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you'll like it. <laughs> Have you seen it, then? No, but I, I will bet my house that you won't like that, because I don't think you <laughs> would like, like house. it now. If yeah. I'm getting a house out of this, I'm on this. <laughs> I don't think you will like Campion's aesthetic. I don't think. Julia, have you seen The Top of the Lakes? I haven't. I haven't. Oh, no. uh, it's it's on my list. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to... I don't know if I'll have time before the year is up, but I wanted to knock out Sweetie, uh, her new movie. Uh, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, yeah, The Power of Dog. And uh, I don't know if I would get to Top of the Lake, but there's uh, there's one more of hers that's like available on HBO, I think. And I wanted, basically, I wanted Jane Cabot to show up on my letterbox end of the year thing as my my top director yes. for 2021 yeah. so if i if i do two more movies of hers i think that puts her at the top okay so you want me to go with my thing and then you close it look yeah okay uh okay so on my end i this is very appropriate and i think who is it i think ben out of the three of you is a big uh great british bacon show fan that's right. Is that right. Yeah. Okay. So finally, everybody in the world loves this show, and I think it even got more popular during the pandemic lockdown because people just really went yeah. to town on Netflix with it. And so we finally started watching it. We wanted something that was very, uh, just that we could relax to, and they were they're so nice on that show because we usually watch Kelly and I, my wife and I, watch uh, uh, some of the cooking television uh, reality shows, but they're kind of intense you know people get yelled at a lot and everybody's so nice at least from what i've seen in the great british baking show so far mm. so we start from the very beginning the first collection they have on netflix and we're almost done with it and it's just oh, wow. such an easy watch i don't understand why they cook outside is that a thing in so England? they marquee yeah it's a marquee yeah. so they're inside but they're under a marquee or is or is that not the case right, in the early this is a very british thing to do everyone happens in a marquee over here because we can't trust the weather is that an American word, marquee? I mean, no, tent. marquee. Well, we say marquee is, yeah, tent is a word here. Marquee is what you have uh, outside of movie theaters telling you what's playing. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do things so differently. <laughs> so the marquee okay, is the big yeah. tent. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just have the show inside in the kitchen? Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't look as nice. Yes, and you don't see all the greenery and flowers. Okay. All right. It's, it's raining half the time. But exactly. it still looks. It's <laughs> England. Looks That's England. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So we're having a good time with that, and then we started uh, Fleabag finally because we oh, finished. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, we we finally finished uh, Shit's Creek, and we're like, okay, what's our next show that we're gonna watch together? And uh, Fleabag was picked out of a at, at random, and uh, very interesting. Uh, I how far have I you really got with like it? it. 
I mean, we've we've only watched like two or three episodes. Uh, it's, it's not very really long, is it? There's only about twelve episodes in total, I think, isn't there? Yeah. But I, yeah. I I very much enjoyed it. I mean, it's obviously not designed for me and you as as a show, is it? But um, yeah, I, I found I, it really I, funny. Yeah, I found it quite funny. Adam uh, Adam thinks that only shows that have white British men in are, are designed for him. Everything <laughs> I mean, else, so that's, that's not really the, for me. The humor is for very female centric humor. It's stop, all about stop trying to divide us, Adam. Kind of stop stuff. trying to divide us into these categories, man. <laughs> We're all human. Just enjoy. I'm not, it. But it's, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. But I'm just. I'm saying, not from New York High Society. I can't enjoy this film. Right, so I'm saying no when, when she's right when she's writing this film, she's not thinking about us. Well, I think that if it was if the movie or if the show was about a dude, I would feel maybe empowered to say like, "Oh, that's not how it is." But in mm. this case, I just take it the way she's. <laughs> dishing it out because I'm like yeah I take her word for it and I actually I find it fascinating you know because I think that she's approaching a female protagonist in a way that most TV shows wouldn't and yeah. Uh, yeah. that's just so refreshing she's very crass isn't she yes but in, I mean I love it <laughs> yeah. uh, coming from Adam coming from Adam <laughs> then, in the very first episode at the very end of it uh, all I what I remember at the very beginning of the show is she invites a guy around on a Tuesday night and um, she says, oh, he's made his way over to my house on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock for a bang. The least I've got to let him do is anal. He deserves yes. it or something like that. Beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of... That Ben's kind looking of... like, I'm not watching the show. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, obviously, <laughs> that's obviously a very small... That's not what the show's about. But I'm just saying it has that level of humour in it. No, I've that's... watched it through osmosis. Jenny, Jenny's been watching it and, and I've been around, so I've seen parts of it. I think it's... Yeah, from what I've seen, it's looked good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that's it. I mean, I, I've uh, my my movie watching is. I don't want to tell you about stuff that's happening on the show because that, that you'll yes. hear it on the show. But it's been yes. mostly stuff that's going on the show. Luke Human says, "I really enjoyed Emma Seligman's feature length extension of her short film Shiva Baby, an intimate character piece that beautifully demonstrates the conflict of expectations and reality between the winches." uncomfortable distressing and awkwardly funny this coming of age tale may come from a specific perspective but should resonate with everyone there you go adam see god adam look it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your lens is we're all humans the human experience uh i've heard a lot about a shiva baby Mm. without knowing what it's about at all i've just heard it a lot it eats bagels or something she that's what i've seen on the poster that that's like eating a bagel That is, that is that the case or is that some sort of Jewish no, slur? No, she's got like a dress of bagels or something on the poster. Is this a, is this a Jewish film? It must be. Sh- uh, Shiva. Yeah. yeah. What is it to sit Shiva? You're probably more likely to know Julio because I think uh, conversation around Jewish people is much more prominent in America than over here. Jewish tradition, yeah, but in, you know. In this case, I wouldn't tell. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't mm. know. I've seen. I'm, I'm on the same level as you guys. I've seen the poster. I, I have it on my list of movies I want to watch, but I mean, that's from 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a uh, while. All right, well, we've, we'll catch that. We'll catch that one, Luke. And he says, at the other end of the spectrum, I caught up with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Godzilla versus Kong. Both have serious issues with logic and dialogue. No shit. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> exposition, which made me actively dislike them both. A shame, since there's some spectacular visual effects on display. Paul, I'm sure you've got something to say about that. Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, a- absolute trash. <laughs> but Godzilla vs. Kong, I had a good time. It's a 7 out of 10, but, you know, it's just like, it's, it does what it says on the tin. You want to see two monsters fight? It's better than the Pacific Rim. 
If yes. I said that line, it does what it says on the tin. You two would take the piss out of me. But yeah, it is correct. <laughs> it's like a sequel film, but it knows why you've come to what. Do you know how you say like Jaws Two is good because you've already seen the shark, and all you want to do is watch the shark shred people up. That's why we've come. This is that is what that is in some ways. But the difference is that first Godzilla was a really bad movie, so I yeah, don't see good. what the sequels could bring to it. And Kong was Skull Island was a bad. Bad was a, movie. Uh, seven out of ten, good movie. No, I didn't like either of them. <laughs> so bringing them together is like, well, are you actively well, like trying Godzilla. to keep me out? Godzilla of has no personality whatsoever, so I don't Nor care. Does about King him. Kong I like really personality? <laughs> what personality do you want from Godzilla? I like King Kong. Yeah, I was Team Kong. I enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong. I would not go to bat for it. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. I can sit back and enjoy the big fights. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Big stupid fights. It's just all CGI fest, is it? Yeah, I assume. Yeah, it's a big dumb monster movie. No, they're all practical, Ben. <laughs> so, well, the the old <laughs> ones like were though. Um, big dumb monster movie, but Pacific Rim was doing something slightly new. It was so. just robots, ro- emotionless robots, and they're just going. <laughs> The problem with Pacific Rim, again, was because you just saw humans fighting inside the robots. Yeah, but they, it did off its they, there were humans inside the robots, so there was a bit of humanity and some level of stakes involved. Do, do I care about the big monkey and the big lizards? Yes. For one movie, maybe. But if you didn't catch me with that one movie, I'm not sticking around for we're part seven. We're not to watch it, Ben. We know we were... Good. Well, we know thanks. <laughs> because I would refuse. The world is a better place to further you stay away from this film. <laughs> Luke didn't like it either. He's, it's a shame. He says it's a shame yeah. they were so bad. Anyway, thanks, right. patrons. Thank you, patrons. And should we, should we let everyone know what our next episode is going to be? Yes. Yeah, why don't you tell them? Okay, so next episode is going to be very fun. This involves Julio as well because we're doing a massive patron quiz where all the patrons have formulated their own questions that they're going to ask each other, and us mere film busters will be the hosts that will deliver these questions to them. And then one of them is going to be the ultimate winner and win some prizes! Yes. How fun is that? That's fun. And uh, we are sorry, Luke, that you did join up to the patron just a little bit too late for this whole endeavour. So yes. next year, you'll You've be a there. Whole year, a whole year of swatting up sorry to do. Sorry about that, my friend. And the exciting thing is that now, just after this episode, we're actually record julio's quiz and he's the last person to do the quiz so it's all very exciting we know who's going to be the winner <laughs> and no one else knows well, we don't knows. yet because julio might win it well exactly well exactly julio could we will know. steal all the spoils now we know who the potential winner is unless julio bats them down with his bat of knowledge that's right mm. and it could mm. happen I, I wouldn't count on it i do pretty badly at these things but happy to play well First of all, let's just say thank you, Julio, for joining us today. It's been absolutely amazing, regardless of the film we watched. <laughs> I'm very glad you did share this with me because I had this on my in my DVD pile for a long time. I never got around to watching it. And I will eventually watch it again at some point in life. Why would you? Because you 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 I want to see if it changes. Julio's experience has changed. I felt exactly the same heat way he did. So mm-hmm. maybe over time, who knows, Ben? Life is maybe. about change. If you're the same person you were yesterday, you've wasted a day. Oh yes, <laughs> very profound, but and very true. This is this is very true. Yeah, but don't forget <laughs> that with one hand, past pushes us forward; the other, it pulls us back as well. So you can't move ahead too far. <laughs> you're just fighting with quotes. I <laughs> know. No, Have quotes. you got any wise wisdom to say before we leave, Paul? Leave us with a quote of wisdom. Um, my wise wisdom is: 
everyone should go over and check out the Contrarian podcast yes. because it is one of the best podcasts out there. Better than our podcast. Oh, by, by a country no. mile. By a country mile. <laughs> you know, we're, we're very different. Much more professional. They know what the fuck they're doing over there. <laughs> you, you guys we're will minus do... minus one member today. You guys will do like a period piece. We, we can't. So that alone puts you... <laughs> Uh, you guys did little women though you managed to get little women out there uh but yes thank you very much julio we appreciate it so much we always love having you on and when you're not on we love having you at films every other month in between all those three month intervals in between as well your footprints footprints your fingerprints are all over this show and we kiss your hands you have wonderful hands my my shoe my shoe People are gonna think. People are gonna think we're biased here to the walls. Even going into this quiz, and you're saying you want to yeah. kiss his hands. <laughs> Julio, do you want to shout out your podcast? Let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, I mean, by now, everybody should know if they listen to the film busters. Yes. I, I guess you have new listeners. Uh, just look for the contrarians on on your podcatchers. We we argue against our tomato scores. Um, first in a, in a funny way and then in the second half we, we talk about our real feelings but we have a pretty good collection of episodes you should just check us out uh we we haven't had the film busters over yet but that's now that we finally got in through our first five person recording and editing that i i think that that's <laughs> more likely to happen at some point once we figure out the logistics but did they feature on us they were with us that was holy oh, motors okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Paul is an editing wizard, as far as I'm concerned, and I, I am not on that level. So <laughs> I know the struggle. <laughs> yes, uh, five audio words, streams. <laughs> I want my party my party words to be uh, me casting you on the age of innocence. I've been thinking about this, and of course, <laughs> Adam has to be Winona Ryder's May because he's the youngest. <laughs> uh, Paul has to be uh, Daniel Day Lewis's Archer. Because you know Ugh. he's like oh, he's, he's judgmental. He's that. judging You've everybody. Become that which you hate. <laughs> I am very judgmental. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm, I'm very judgmental. And then Ben <laughs> is is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's countess because you know oh. he's just struggling against the system. I'm glad you said that because I thought you were going to say Miriam Margolis. I thought I was going to have to flash <laughs> for the camera at the end there. I thought <laughs> that's where you were going with it. No one else can see this camera feed. It's only between us four. Exactly. That's what makes it all the more exciting. Makes it more, more illicit secret romance, Adam. That's what it's all about, forbidden love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you Wonderful. so much, Julio. What thank a you. treat. And yes, go check out The Contrarians immediately. Yes, please. And I guess we'll just see you next time on the wonderful patron quiz. <laughs> <laughs>